BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hey, this is Scott Norton, and you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frogs. From the Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your hosts Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here With the young boy Josh Smith on today's show, we'll be reviewing Sakura Genesis, answering your questions, and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping it strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating interview. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and share playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit NJPWEXT.US today for details. Young boy, how you doing, man? Oh, man, I am hanging in there. I got my first uh, dose of nano machines. Oh, nice. Got got your uh, your yeah. microchip. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely want to, like, Go out and buy a lot of Microsoft products for some weird reason. Mm. Yeah. If, any any powers yet? Not. What was? Am I supposed to get powers, or is uh, that? Some people are supposed to get powers from the shots. I know. You know. Well, Rich got uh, you know enhanced wrapping abilities from getting COVID, but <laughs> uh, other people are supposed to be uh, getting powers from their their COVID shots. 
now I'm feeling just kind of tired and sore. Mm. And, uh, and my arm hurts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got my appointment uh, scheduled for next week to get, get my uh, microchip inserted. Bro, you could have had this done. Why did you wait so long? Because I was a hashtag behind instead of, instead of being ahead. Heck. Uh, the heck are you doing? <laughs> oh, man. And it is, uh, it's WrestleMania week, man. Uh, here in our lovely city of Tampa, we have a, a bunch of independents coming in town, running. We got... Uh, K- kinda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like... Today, I mentioned a card that's happening one of the evenings here, and it, it now keep in mind it is a good looking card. But like first half second, I was like, this card looks amazing, and then I had to backtrack it, and I was like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, pretty good. And in all reality, it's on a regular Mania good. week, this would not, this wouldn't register at all. I wouldn't, I would definitely not go to this show on any other Mania weekend, but because. Most of the shows uh, just don't look appealing to me. This individual one, I was like, dang, Loki and Leo Rush? That sounds kind of <laughs> like sick. <laughs> Chris Dickinson and uh, Brian Cage? It is a cool-looking show, but you know, you know it's the, one of the shittiest things. Is For the Culture is probably one of the best-looking shows of the, of the week, and it's Thursday night at midnight. Yeah, I, I made the last uh, minute decision. I, I am going to be going to For the Culture right after Bloodsport. Are you working the next day? I took uh, Friday off. I was like, "There's, an, I, I can't take that day off, so I couldn't do it. Like, on principle, I couldn't do it. So <laughs> um, they actually asked me to work um, WrestleCon that day, but, you know, I, I'm just, I'm not doing it, man. Like, it's it's not a real, it's not a real WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, it's definitely not, uh, yeah. You know, I'm you know I'm seeing all the Facebook memories of our our trips to uh, New Orleans and New York and all the great shows and matches and just fun times we had in uh, both those cities and I definitely long for a, a WrestleMania weekend like those two we had in uh, New Orleans and bro, bro I've been seeing videos that people have been posting online from past WrestleManias and I'm like seeing Walter and, and PCO, PCO have a chop exchange yes, we, at we were there. break. And and the crowd is just on their feet, and I was like, bro, I was there, you know. I saw the moment where Matt Riddle, Will Ospreay, like did the the big dive off the top rope in, in the rear naked choke. Yeah, and James like, Boyd like jumped out of his seat. Yeah, I saw that. I, I've seen a bunch of stuff, um, you know, a bunch of like matches and moments, you know, where I was there. Uh, Suzuki and Josh Barnett, Bloodsport, uh, which was like two years ago, which in New York, which sounds crazy, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, a lot of great moments coming out of those two WrestleMania weekends. We'll, we'll have a little bit of uh, NJPW action here on Bloodsport as the current IWGP US champion, John Moxley, will be taking on Josh Barnett in the main event of Bloodsport. We also have uh, Rocky Romero taking on Chavo Guerrero. Um, so we'll see some, a few New Japan guys. Chris Dickinson is also on the card. Um, I would I would do the ooh chavo. I'm just not feeling it, man. <laughs> ooh chavo. <laughs> I'm out of it tonight. Um, yeah. Also, Alex Coughlin against uh, Royce Isaacs or Royce Isaacs. I don't know how you pronounce his name, but it's a, a rematch from the previous Blood Sport, and uh, that one was very good uh, the first time they fought. So this uh, rematch should be pretty good. So yeah, quite a, quite a few, uh, you know, New Japan. Um, 
wrestlers that are on that blood sport show. And I think uh, you're going, and it sounds like Rich Latta is going to be attending with us as well. And um, yeah, I think that this is one of those things where like, it's been hard to kind of convince you guys. I know you were going to go last year, but everyone's been every, every time I talk to people about blood sport, you guys are all real skeptical about going to see this uh, shoot wrestling show with me. Well, and well, I got, the problem I got feeling, is it always, it's up against WrestleCon super show. It's better than WrestleCon Super Show, bro. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's 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 the best. It's the best Mania show, and, that, and I, it's no cap. This is not. It's just. It is so cool. Well, you, I I think once you guys see it, you're gonna be like, oh shit. Well, it definitely will be the best Mania show this weekend for sure. <laughs> well, we'll see. There's some there's some other sleeper shows that I think that one that I mentioned to you guys. That's the. Uh, VXS Lucid Dreams. That's that Friday night midnight show. That one actually does look very good, but um, that one people I think are kind of sleeping on it. For the culture looks very good. Spring Break might be good. Yeah, I I did hear. I was listening to a uh, Voice Wrestling today. They they're doing their Mania Weekend uh, rundown. They're talking about all these like shindy shows that like my training partners are like working on and they're like naming them like who's this guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i'm like i train with those guys <laughs> there, there was a nice uh burial of uh brian idol on one of those reviews so that was nice oh, to hear <laughs> yeah i mean brian idol is the shits <laughs> they're like they're like how do people keep letting this guy work and they're like i think he he lets people use his ring <laughs> <laughs> uh that's how chase and rance got to work uh that kenny omega produce show oh yeah the um the uh, the CEO show, yeah, yeah, got heat for that shit. Yeah, well, all right, we have a lot of stuff to cover this week, so let, let's uh, jump in and r- try and run through this and uh, make sure we hit all the important talking points here. So, first thing we need to get out of the way is the match of the month, wrestler of the month for March. Obviously, March is concluded, so we gotta award these out. Uh, young boy, tell us who the wrestler of the month is. Well, this is uh, one of the tougher wrestler of the months we've ever had, but uh, we kind of just, I don't know, we flipped a coin and landed on Shingo Takagi. Uh, now, keep in mind, this is from March, so this would not include Sakura Genesis, which just happened this past week. Um, primarily through that tour, we're talking about the New Japan Cup almost primarily. And yeah, I mean, Shingo and Will, neck and neck, almost, you know, to the T. But we kind of felt between, you know, the Goto match, the Osprey final, the Okada match, as well as the Kenta match, there was just probably a little bit more consistency of greatness when it came to Shingo throughout that tournament. And uh, we had named him our tournament MVP, and he's also going to be our wrestler of the month for March. And then for our match of the month, we went with our tournament match of the New Japan Cup which was Shingo Takagi versus Will Ospreay from the tournament finals. Um, again, this was also another kind of coin toss, which we talked about when we were naming our uh, top match of the New Japan Cup. Uh, you know, we look at all the rating sites, and I mean, the top two matches pretty much across the board were Shingo and Ospreay and Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr. from the second round. Both uh, incredible matchups, but I think we just went with uh, Shingo Osprey just because of the history and so the final of the tournament and just kind of that big moment um, in crowning Will Osprey as the next uh, challenger for Kota Ibushi and leading to that matchup there. 
And just overall, this is a really excellent way to end the tournament. So that's going to be the match of the month. Yeah, uh, it's an interesting one because uh, almost all the sites have the Osprey um, Zack Saber match rated just slightly higher. It'll be interesting to see how things shake out. You know, come you know award season, but um, you know, I think both you and I kind of stuck to our guns, and we both sort of felt like while they're both great matches, this was the deserving match of the month. Yep. Well, now let's move into our review of this past weekend's Sakura Genesis show. Uh, show kicked off. We had uh, Hiromu Takahashi making a, a surprise appearance, being the hype man for the show, coming out with some uh, thunder sticks and again uh, the crowd hyped up, teasing the potential of him uh, being X in the United Empire, um, sticking to his claims that Will Ospreay is a cat, he is not human. Um, and yeah, just getting the, the show off to a good start there. You know, so much has happened since this uh, like show aired just a couple days ago that like I kind of forgot that Hiromu even like showed up at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, then he went. But back. yeah, he he came out making noise and uh, you know got people in good spirits and you know he also uh, basically indicated his intention once he's back in better health to to reclaim his crown. Yeah, and then he went after that. Joined the, uh, the Japanese commentary team. Then the opening match of the show, we had the Suzuki-gun unit of Doki, Taichi, and Zack Saber Jr. defeating the Bullet Club unit of Jado, Tamatonga, and Tangaloa. Ten minutes and ten seconds. Um, I'll see the story here: building, rebuilding the feud between Dangerous Techers and Gorillas of Destiny. Uh, once again, the Iron Fingers from Hell are a focal point here in this rivalry and kind of came into uh, play at, at the end of this match um, with uh, Tai Chi trying to hit the, the Iron Fingers on um, Tamo Tonga. And he, he hit it on Jado, and then um, Tamo did grab the fingers, but Sabre kicked it away from him, got the European clutch on Tangaloa, got the win, uh, but then um, the fingers, the referee grabbed the fingers, gave them to Sukabayashi, and Taichi was trying to plead and get them back, but Sukabayashi ran off with the iron fingers. Yeah, uh, I thought this uh, opener was actually pretty good. Um, enjoyed it for what it was. Um, I think a lot of people had hoped after the finish to the previous uh IWGP heavyweight tag team match between Dangerous T and G.O.D. that we'd be done with this feud, but it was pretty clear that they're leaving it very open-ended. You know, they ended that match on a DQ finish, and, like, it was the close of a chapter, but it wasn't the end of the story. Uh, It appears we're coming up on the end of that story, and, you know, it's... My biggest thing with it, it seems a little bit convoluted because you have two things happening simultaneously. You have Dangerous Techers and G.O.D. needing to focus on, you know, the title match implications going forward. But then you also kind of have this little side quest going on where, you know, um, Tamatanga and Taichi are both obsessed with the Iron Fingers of Hell, which I guess my whole thing with this is that that's been so far in the background and now it's just sort of come back up. It seems a little bit contrived or inorganic. It's almost been thrust on us. Whereas before that story was sort of progressing and I know it was put on, put on ice, but uh, I don't know. It just kind of, 
came out of nowhere again. And it, it does seem like we're getting a final resolution to that. We'll talk about more shortly, but um, I don't know. I, 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 I guess I see it both ways. Cause you kind of need to add some finality to that story. But I also could have, I would have been fine if they just kind of like moved on and didn't like make the iron fingers a big focal point again, you know? Right. I kind of wish that they would have just yeah, focused more on dangerous checkers quest to get the titles back and not really focus on the fingers. It feels a little bit like a rehash of what they previously right. did. And yes, I know there's going to be, we'll talk about, you know, what's coming up with that rivalry and there's a little bit of a different twist, but the first part of the rivalry was so focused on the fingers and Tai Chi finally got them back. I feel like that should have been the close of that chapter of the story. And then the main focus here is Dangerous Techers wanting to get the tag titles back. Yeah. And um, we'll talk about that more down the line, but it is leading to a series of matches, not just a title match between these two. Right. And we had a question here from Stale Burger Bun. He says, am I delusional for still believing that it's going to be Tai Chi's year? Um, I mean, I guess I didn't take note that he had been thinking that it was going to be Tai Chi's year necessarily. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I would say so. I mean, Tai Chi's on the bad side of 30 or he might even be 40 at this point. And like he, he has a, a strong role and a strong presence in the company. But I mean, I don't know what that really means. It's going to be his year. Unless you just mean like he's going to have a breakout year and really shine, I don't know. Russell would say it all depends on yeah what what his definition is of having you know it's going to be his year because I mean obviously we're still the beginning part of the year G ones to come. I mean he could he could have another great G one. Um, he could potentially have some maybe some title matches later on in the year that he could really shine in um, and and have a great year. Yeah, I mean we'll see. I mean it. I think the bar is a little bit lower for a guy like Tai Chi, and I'm not discounting him by saying that, but I mean, you know, it could be his year, quote unquote, without him like being in the heavyweight title picture. You know what I mean? Right. All he has to do is go out there and perform at a high level and have meaningful feuds and, you know, wow people and really, you know, kind of surprise the skeptics. Yeah. So in the uh, second match of the night, we had the Chaos Unit, Hiroki Goto, Kazuchika Okada, Tomohiro Ishii, Toru Yano, and Yoshihashi, defeating the Bullet Club unit of Dick Togo, Evil, Kenta, Taiji Ishimori, and Yujiro Takahashi. So a continuation of this Chaos Bullet Club feud, a lot of shenanigans, um, more inanimate objects being at play here. The finish came down to uh, Yano pulling a hood out, covering Dick Togo's head, and using a uh, inside cradle to get the win here. Yeah, very symbolic because we talked, uh, you know, during the New Japan Cup, how Evil had, you know, used someone from Bull Club. I'm guessing, who? Do we know who turned off the lights? Yeah, it, that it, match? it was Dick Togo. Okay, so he, yeah, he's done he it used twice Dick Togo now. To, to turn out the lights, and so um, symbolically, Yano returned the favor in this multi-man match by putting a, a hood over his face. Uh, this is likely leading to a, um, or what's it called? A blindfold match. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Yeah. So he put a, he put a hood over his head. Uh, it was a black hood. Don't worry, uh, everybody, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, 
you know, it's it's pretty clear that that's the way we're going. So there was that. There was also a moment in the match where Yoshihashi had um, gotten his bow staff back. They're calling it Bochan. Um, but by the end of the match, uh, Bull Club was able to regain the upper hand and regain possession of the bow staff and, uh, you know, leave with it. Right. So obviously more uh, heat in the feud there with uh, Bull Club and Chaos and We'll talk about, you know, what's coming up with all these guys. Um, Getting on, heat on the staff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they also, um, you know, made it pretty clear at the end of the match that they're intending to do a six-man tag title match. Uh, and I think we got all the principles correct for that match, right? Yeah, we did. Kenta, um, Taiji Ishimori, and Yujiro. Correct. So yeah. I think... Um, I do think we had originally thought that Bull Club team was going to win here, so we might have been wrong about that part of it. But uh, quite a few different um, feuds and matches kind of being set up here. And again, you know what? I will say this. uh, Even though this was a lot of multi-mans and things like that, um, because they were in a fairly well um, drawing – where were they? Ryugoku? Yeah, Ryugoku Sumo Hall. Yeah, it seemed like everyone was really like energized. All these matches seemed to have a like really fast work rate and hard hitting. And for me, like by the time I'm watching the second match, I'm just thinking like, man, this feels like a, a new Japan show and not like a, a cork and hall show, but like a good new Japan show, you know? So, uh, that was kind of good to see there too. Yeah. It definitely helps when you have some, some more angles and things that are building for matches that down the line. I think that's definitely part of it, but I also feel like because they had a crowd and they drew well and, you know, they're back at, at Sumo Hall that, you know, I think all the guys just kind of wanted to go out there and, like, you know, put it on, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so next matchup, we had the United Empire, Great Ocon, Jeff Cobb, and we had X. They defeated the Los Ingobernables. They helped pull team of Sonata, Shingo, and Naito. So also at the beginning of this match, we had Okan and Cobb come out and introduce X. And it's what most people thought it was going to be. And it was Toa Hanare coming out with a completely new look, new music. And it's announced that his, he's no longer Toa Hanare. He is now Aaron Hanare. Um. Yeah, so they initially had Okan and Cop come out, and then they started cutting a promo, you know, introducing the third member, which would be X. And, um, you know, I listened to this in English, and so we had, like, Chris Charlton. They had, like, a video, and the video was, like, flickering. He's like, I think I know that face. I think I know that face. And I'm like, who is it? <laughs> and then I, I see the silhouette of this dude, like, just super tan, kind of jacked. He's got a jacket on. You know, he's got, like, a goatee. Dark glasses, and I was like, Chono? Like, <laughs> who the fuck is that? And it wasn't, it like took me a while to realize, like, oh, that's Toa Hanare. Right. Um, he, he looked great, but I was like, is that, I, I couldn't make it out. So I was like, is that Go Shiozaki? Is that, <laughs> is that Chono? Like, who the fuck is this? Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, uh, Aaron Hanare. And, and listen, there's no name. That when you turn heel, that strikes fear into the hearts of man <laughs> more than Aaron. 
But, you know, he's, he's in the empire now. He's more, you know, dignified, more, you know, more of a, a fancy gentleman now, dignified gentleman. He needed a, a dignified name. I don't know, man. Like, I think he's this, he's supposed to be like a bruiser. He's a muscle guy. Like that name's supposed to be devious. Like, I feel like there could be like a, like Jed, Jed Hanare. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What's, what's like a fucking devious name, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like they should have just went with his last name. Just, just been Hanare and just drop. Nah, the that's WWE shit. We don't do that <laughs> shit here. <laughs> Damn pal. Um, we had a lot of questions here on, on the new look of Tor Hanare. Uh, Viking Pain asked thoughts on Masa Hanare Chono. I'm just happy they're finally doing something with him. EMJSPR says, how hard is Hanare's new gear and music? I, I don't know if I care for the music. Uh, I, I'd have to listen to it some more, but I like the, I like the look. I like the gear. Um, I was impressed, but, you know, we've been saying for – you know, three years now that we've been impressed with Hinara as a worker. So, I mean, that wasn't really, the, you know, much of a surprise. But I am, I'm just kind of glad that they're fitting him into a role outside of just, you know, white, white, uh, white meat baby face. You know, super smiley guy. Right. And it's almost they, they they hammered home on commentary the fact that he didn't really get a excursion like normal young lions do when they graduate but kevin kelly made the point that maybe his time in hauntai was his excursion this whole time kind of teaming with, with the home team and you know now he's you know getting his his you know his main roster gimmick now but that's a really long ass uh excursion if that's the case so <laughs> i mean that's all well and good but uh i don't know man i i <laughs> I don't know about that. That's a nice spin, you know. Yeah. Kudos to Kevin Kelly, but I, I'm not buying that shit. Yeah, but yeah, I, I'm digging the new look. I, I like the music. You know, I could the Aaron name. Uh, I mean, I don't hate it, but I mean, it probably could. There, there, there were better options. It might uh, just be his name. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, overall, yeah, I thought he looked great. I thought he looked great here in the match. He was more aggressive. Uh, debuted a new finisher, uh, a Death Valley driver. Uh, maneuver he's calling the streets of rage which uh, looked good and so yeah I, I, like we said that's what we've been saying for uh, for years now that Hanare he needed a look he needed a push he needed to do something with him and now we finally got some direction and um, some upward movement here for Hanare yeah uh, Maza asked he said I feel a tag team of Jeff Cobb and Masahiro Hanare, so, you know, apparently this Masahiro Chono, I wasn't the only one who who thought that shit. <laughs> right. Uh, Masahiro Hanare would be a good team to win the tag belts. Thoughts? Yeah, um, Yo, I mean, we always need more consistent heavyweight tag teams in the division. Um, so it's not just, you know, two or three people, two or three teams uh, playing hot potato with the titles. So, you know, if they're going to switch, because obviously Cobb and um, – Ocon have kind of been the tag so far. So if they switch to Cobb and Hanare, I think that would be fine. And it would be great to have those guys in the division. I'm fine with it. Uh, they cut a promo at the end of the night um, post-match, and it was the two of them. Um, so it does kind of seem based off that that maybe there's a possibility that that's the way they're going to go with things is for the time being kind of set them up as like the tag unit within the group. Yeah. Especially with some of the direct, but then again, I don't know. I mean, there was some, there were some actions and events that occurred later in the night that makes me kind of question, you know, whether that would be the case or not. I could also see them going with, uh, 
Hanare and Okan as well, personally. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of options. And yeah, based off of what happened at the end of the main event of the night, yeah, there's definitely a lot of different ways that can go here. And, and obviously when we talk about the Dontaku tour, there's some matches coming up with all these guys and their upcoming feud with LIJ. Also, Hanara getting the big win over Sonata in this match. Uh, post-match, we had them uh, stretching out Naito and Okan, um, you know, putting his, uh, you know, kind of crushing um, Naito's head with his foot and getting the chair out and attacking the knee. So, also, we're going to get a continuation of Naito and Okan. Yeah, Okan post-match was calling him, you know, like cannon fodder, just like a little young lion, like a stepping stone. You know, basically call him a little bitch. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there was something interesting during the post-match with Hanare after him and uh, Cobb talked. I was kind of wondering, like, how they would present Hanare on his own because, you know, we've kind of seen that um, Okan is very adept at, like, you know, living his gimmick and being his own character. Cobb, I think, is coming into his own, but hes I would still say he's not even – all the way quite there yet, although I think he's made some incredible strides. So it was very interesting to see how they'd present Hanari. He cut an impassioned promo, um, but it was a little all over the place, and he talked about how for five years he's been with this company, and you know he could blame Tanahashi or Makabe or whoever, but really what he needed to blame was New Japan for trying to mold him into this image that they saw for him and he he had to blame himself for saying yes master and like basically just like gritting his teeth and suppressing who he actually was and now is the chance for him to to be who he really was but the interesting thing was he took off his uh glove and he had this like terrible scar on his knuckles and he like pointed to the camera he's like that you can't fake that He's like, he's like, I'll let the fans go and uh, do some research and try to figure out what that one's about. And I'm thinking, like, did they beat this man? <laughs> <laughs> like, did they, like, break his hand or beat him? Like, I don't know what he – I didn't know what he was talking about. Have you heard anything about this? I, I haven't seen anything, um, any update on that. But, yeah, maybe it's, yeah, it's time the dojos, you know, maybe those, you know, New Japan dads were, you know, taking They fucked him up. <laughs> yeah. something to him. <laughs> Bro, it's some speaking out shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, but uh, in all seriousness, um, I, I think he's always been a impassioned promo, but not necessarily like the best. I hope that they kind of help him um, figure out his character because later on in the evening, he sort of didn't seem to know how to be, how to act, what to do. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So I think there's still kind of a learning curve with that. Um, we also got a question here from Dom Homie 101. Any thoughts on this Aaron Hanare guy? Why does he look so damn familiar? Yeah, so I uh, I don't appreciate this kind of question on this show. <laughs> okay. Well, what do you mean? We we run a clean operation here. Okay, we we get, we entertain the people, give them a nice show, and then we get these kinds of ridiculous questions. You clearly know that's to to Hanare, like. Don't don't try to fucking work us on no, our own show. I, I like, think he was alluding to uh, another Chono reference. Oh my bad. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what, that's what I thought. I just figured he's talking about like Aaron Hanare's Toa Hanare. It could have been that too. He wasn't clear in in the joke. E- e- either way, I mean, like, I don't appreciate this uh, <laughs> this type of question on the show. Okay. 
you, you come with a real question or don't come at all. Uh, and so another question from uh, Rambo and Slam Pig. He says, I'm excited <laughs> that Hanare has a new direction and some new opportunities. What would you like, who would you like to see him matched up with in programs to get started? I mean, there's always Ishii. <laughs> right. I mean, also, that, that was the first thing that came, came to my head. You know, there's a, a history there between Ishii and Hanare. And now that Hanare is, you know, has a main roster gimmick, a real gimmick now, and is getting a push, I think really, uh, you know, opening the chapter on that rivalry again would be great. Let's do this. Hanare and Makabe, and he fucks up Makabe. He, he should. He should go back to like all his he old partners. Yeah, he should. Get rid of Great Bash Heel, take on Makabe, take on Hanma, uh, beat those guys, and go on to um, Ishii, Nagata, some of these New Japan dads and older guys that he's been feuding with, and kind of get their, get his wins back on them. Um, I I don't know. Well, it's it seems pretty clear based off the end of this match that they're going towards a direction with him and Sonata at least short term. I don't know if that's going to be a long term working thing, but uh. Interesting thing at the end of this match, um, he won with. I don't know if he has a name for his finish yet, but yeah, it's uh, Streets Death of Valley Rage. Driver. Streets of Rage. Oh, he's calling it Streets of Rage. Okay, yeah, I heard you say that, but I didn't know if that's what you were referring to. Um, but the the interesting thing here, he was the legal man, and they had Jeff Cobb hit the tour of the islands first, then stand him up, and then let uh, Ocon land the streets of rage on Sonata to get the clean one, two, three. So like visually like, yes, he beat him with his finish, but only after they had one of the senior members of the group also land his finish, which I thought was an interesting thing. It's something I definitely noticed. And I don't, I'm not too confident even with uh, the repackage and the push that they would have had uh, Hanari come out here and just beat him with his own move on his own, you know? Right. Which I think it, it makes sense. Like, just because he's repackaged, he shouldn't just all of a sudden just start, you know, killing people with his, with his finisher. Well, you know, people like Sonata, who is, you know, a guy who's had IWGP title matches and is an upper mid-carder, you know, just because he changed his game doesn't mean he's, you know, just automatically becomes like a, a way better wrestler all of a sudden. So kind of the slow build of him getting wins um, and needing Jeff Cobb's help to get the win there. Think that made a lot of sense. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was that matchup there. Any do other- you think? Do you think Kanare is? Um. I mean, what do you see his role being in the in the group? Like, are we going to see him as like a, a top build guy, and this whole group just run roughshod for a while, or are we? I mean, how long before I assume he's eventually the pin eater of the group? Right, I think once we kind of get deep into some United Empire feuds and we're we're seeing some more multi-mans, if they're going to lose a multi-man, I, I think Hanare would probably be the guy to take the fall just based off of how they've been pushing Cobb and Ocon, and it seems like there's you know some bigger plans for both of those guys as well. So I do think he's going to be the, the kind of the bottom guy in the unit for a while, but it seems like there's a, a heavy push for the Empire going right. forward right now. So I do think he will, you know, get some more wins, be a little bit more dominant. And I mean, these guys are the unit, they've only lost one six man tag. And so I guess we'll see how they go forward now with a, a four man unit. The other thing too, is we've seen, um, Ocon and Cobb both take pinfalls when needed during matches. Right. Uh, they've done it sparingly, but, um, it's not like 
everybody in this group is, you know, um, completely unscathed or anything like that. I am wondering, though, if it will go the way that you kind of mentioned and what I think a lot of people are thinking that they're going to give him a push, but eventually he'll be the bottom guy. Or if we're going to be looking at a prolonged, sustained push for the group as a whole and real realistically nobody's doing any jobs of any sort for you know maybe six months or something like that which is not that like far-fetched of an idea it is something that they might really be trying to do to establish this group right and like we've seen before before hanara came in when it's just osprey Cobb, and okan i mean they just lost recently their first six-man tag the unit has been protected in, in multi-man matches so uh, moving on to the next match, we had Hiroshi Tanahashi and Satoshi Kojima teaming up to defeat the Bullet Club team of Bad Luck Fale and Jay White and Gato. So obviously a continuation here of the Tanahashi Jay White rivalry. Um, after the match, Tanahashi gets uh, Jay White in the Texas Cloverhold. Jay White taps out, and then uh, Tanahashi cuts a promo, says he accepts the challenge because you tapped out to my Texas Cloverhold, or as I like to call it, the JTO. Jay taps out. Yeah, uh, very interesting here. Post match, um, Tanahashi was in the high spirits and kind of clowning around. Did you see that him and Kojima might be forming a. Uh, a little union going forward. Yeah, I saw, you know, they took a little picture after the match here, and yeah, it might seem that, you know, long-time rivals, yeah. Yeah, they, uh, they like, they, like, did a, a pose where they, like, stood shoulder to shoulder with their, like, biceps, and they said, Tana, Koji! <laughs> <laughs> so it seems like they might potentially be teaming together uh, again in the future, although it looks like... Uh, Golden Ace is like reteaming very soon as well. So yeah, uh, which was interesting because Tanahashi said he doesn't have a tag team partner anymore because Hinare, you know, has joined the dark side. So, I mean, I guess he kind of forgot about Kota Ibushi. I'm not sure. <laughs> but um, post match, Jay White uh, basically it was very it was kind of nice because he alluded to the idea. He said, "What happened there? Did I tap out?" And then what happened? I got exactly what I wanted. He's like, you, he's like, you fucking idiot. You did exactly <laughs> what I wanted you to do. But like the whole time that he's like scoffing and like, you know, acting like this is all part of his plan. He's holding his back and selling his back. And like, it's like, did he really mean to get tapped out so that, so that he was playing like, you know, 40 chess while this guy's playing checkers. Yeah. Or, like, is it just an, a, a really great cover for the fact that, like, Tanahashi got him this time, you know? Yeah, it could be either or. Maybe yeah, maybe he took a bullet for the greater good so he can get his uh, never open weight title match. Or, yeah, you know, he's got caught by the ace. So, and we'll talk about that. Oh, that'll be coming up on the uh, upcoming Don Taku tour for that uh, big never title match up here. So then uh, in the semi-main event, we had the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles on the line. The returning Yo teaming up with Sho, Rapungi 3K. They defeat Suzuki-Goon, El Esperado, and Yoshinobu Kanemaru to once again become IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. Um, this match was good. Uh, it got, I would say, pretty good to great towards the tail end here. Um, I think the big 
obviously the big story though is Sho and Yo reuniting, coming out together, new music. Um, I, the music was not done by Rocky Romero. It was done by a Japanese band. I don't know the name of that band, but I saw that it was a, a untitled song that they're maybe considering titling as three. Mm. But but um, a lot of people, you know, kind of honing in on the fact that these guys came out with new looks. Um, show looking very similar to how he's looked for the past couple years whenever he works his singles. But Yo kind of coming out with new gear, new look, new attitude. And then uh, this new music, new nickname, Direct Drive, which is also the name of his, right. his new uh, finisher. Mm, gotcha. So, yeah, uh, kind of just reinvigorated Yo uh, returning and a lot of people sort of looking at hints of possible breakup, you know, any, any sort of uh, I forget what the word is. But, yeah, um, trouble between the two of them, you know, and that didn't really seem to come up during the match at all. Yeah, it's very interesting because, you know, we've seen the past these guys when they are in singles matches in Best Super Juniors or some kind of tournament, they do have their separate singles gear. But whenever they come back to the tag team, they're back to the matching, you know, gold and silver kind of gear that they've been wearing for a few years now. So, yeah, it was very interesting to see them. Yeah, show sticking to his kind of single shock arrow attire then you know, this new kind of a black uh, gear that he came out with. So, it could be, you know, they're down the line, maybe eventually, that these guys are kind of growing apart as a team. And then maybe later on this year, we will see maybe these guys face off. We don't know when Super Junior is going to be yet. Maybe these guys end up in the same block. And, and that leads to to the rivalry or something happens where eventually they lose the belts and then they decide to just stick with uh, singles aspirations. Well, I, I don't know if we're ever going to see that, to be honest with you. This seemed like an opportune time to do it if, if that was in the plans. Um, one thing, though, too, is like very often New Japan, especially Gato with his booking, they're very beholden to the calendar, beholden to the seasons and you know the different plans that are sort of on deck. And so maybe they have always planned to do a breakup, but it, you know it's just never felt like the right time to pull the trigger. Um and then at the same time, like maybe they don't have those plans. Maybe like that's something that we as Western fans are conditioned into expecting. And so we're sort of always trying to be ahead and like look for that sort of thing. Uh, one thing I noticed at the end of the match when Sean Yo, you know, regained the titles, they're in the back, um, they're drinking the Zimas, they're having a little celebration and Showing Yo, you know, Yo's cutting like an impassioned promo just about returning and how like he's so thankful from the bottom of his heart for the fans and show and for Rocky and like for the opportunity to come back and win these belts again and to challenge for the junior title. All these different things. And like I kind of thought to myself, you know, we see a lot of times where teams break up, but we don't get a lot of times realistically where teams get these sort of like feel good moments, you know, right. where like everything is harmonious, everything worked out. People were expecting it to turn out bad, but it didn't. And, you know, and they're on top because they're the good guys. And then later on, when you have moments like that, it makes it even more bitter down the road when there is a potential split, you know? Mm, yeah. And like, and you can like show clips of like the time when like they were rejoicing and they're like overcome and they're so happy. And I know that these guys have won the titles multiple times on many different occasions. So it's not like this is the first time ever, but, um, this one did feel based on the promo, like it was very special 
for Yo specifically, probably you know, but coming coming back from like a debilitating injury like that. Right, and that was the the center of the match. There was a lot of focus on Yo and the knee, Despi and Kanamaru attacking the knee. I thought Yo did a great job selling knee, uh, getting that sympathy and desperation there, and eventually coming towards the end of the match, he gets in there, and uh, clearly Yo has been watching some JD Drake while he was rehabbing. <laughs> he, he used uh, JD's Drake finisher, the uh, the drill bit, which is that spin out butterfly suplex that he used to uh, get the win here, which is very interesting. They did they hit the three K. Didn't get the win off of that, and it took Yo's new finisher for them to get the win to win the titles here. Yeah, um, post match, um, Yo challenged El Desperado to a junior title match, which he kind of obliged. So, you know, here in the near future, we're going to be seeing Yo against Desperado singles action. Um, post match, Desperado kind of mentioned that the only way he's going to be willing to give him that title shot is if. They give Suzuki Goon another junior title shot in return. So, you know, Sho and Yo against Desperado and Kanemaru, I feel like we've seen this match. I mean, we've complained so many times, not about the quality of the matches, but just the the numerality of how many times we've seen it. And uh, uh, we're getting it again. So Right. And especially now, I'll see, you know, things are still not completely cleared up with the pandemic and it's hard to get juniors into the country, and so with junior tag teams, you know, it's it's pretty much Suzuki Goon, uh, Rapungi 3K, and Ishimori and Phantasmo when when Phantasmo's in the country. So we pretty much got three teams here that are holding this division up barely. How many times do you, do you think that they have ever fought Rapungi 3K? Uh, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Suzuki Goon. How much, those two teams, how much times those two teams face each other? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm say like 30. I I think. Oh, man. It's not that many, but you're not far off. I'm going to have to look through this a little bit more, but I think it's like something close to like 24. Oh, my God. That, that's straight up tag? Because I was thinking like multi-mans also. Um, Here, let me look. Well, you know, I think that this is uh, including like three ways, but these are pure tag team matches. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Meaning, like, not um, multi-team. Like, it's two on, you know, right? It's just two-man teams. Just for Punky Three K and them, yeah. Okay, now you know what? I guess we should take this back a little bit because this actually includes like Taka and Taichi, mm. uh, as well as like Suzuki and Taichi. The first time that Rapungi 3K fought Despi and Kanemaru, February 10th, 2018. And since then, I think they've had like 17 matches. Yeah, it's been a lot. <laughs> yeah, so that's a, bro, that's a lot, a lot. Like, holy crap. Yeah. So, uh, well, so- you know, I'm, I'm trying to actually find the answer here on Cage Match, and I'm seeing Doki and Desperado teams as well, so... Maybe it's not quite that many, but it's somewhere in the like ten to like twelve ish, something like that. Which is still like for for New Japan in right. straight tag team matches, that's a lot. In a, in a short time span, yeah, these these teams have faced each other a lot. And uh, something else also special about this um, junior tag title match, you know, this I think I believe this was the same building that they made their debut as Rapungi Three K when they came back from Excursion and won the tag titles from. It uh, is, yeah. From um, Ricochet and Taguchi. 
So another little special wrinkle there with them winning the titles in this building. Uh, yeah. Crunchy Dodds asks, any thoughts on the new Rapungi 3K theme? Um, I liked it a lot, uh, personally. Uh, for me, it reminded me of, like, a Sega Genesis, like, uh, later stage of, like, a side-scrolling, like, beat-em-up sort of uh, game. You know, just, like, the, the like, piano that was just, like, like, like very fast-paced. Like, it, it just gave me Sega Genesis vibes for some reason. Yeah, I, it's going to take a while for me to get used to. I mean, I did like it, but, I mean, I really did like their Rapunga 3K, Rocky, Romero-produced theme a lot. Uh, but, yeah, the, the team's obviously going in a different direction. They're growing. We're seeing them kind of grow as individuals and still be this team. So kind of a new kind of angle they're going in. So I understand the reason for the, the, the theme change. They're not just the, you know, new, you know, young boys coming back, super high energy, happy-go-lucky kind of team. They're kind of growing and maturing. So I get that. 14, 14 times that they've had tag team matches against Desperado and Kanemaru. Yeah, the, that is. But you know what? Surprisingly, well, I guess maybe not because it's the junior division. They've had quite a few um, multi-teams, like four ways and three ways as well. Uh, a few of those are included there, but still 14 matches, man. That's a freaking lot. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's move on here to the main event of the evening. We had the first defense of the new IWGP World Heavyweight title as Kota Ibushi, the first World Heavyweight Champion, defended against Will Ospreay. Uh, Beginning of the match, we get the new uh, champion roll call video. They had a combination of the IWGP heavyweight and the IWGP IC uh, role champions and this kind of evolution and legacy thing that led into showing Kota Ibushi as the first champion. What do you think about that? Um, what about the roll call? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a sucker for history, so I'm going to like something like that. However, it doesn't, you know, replace my my complaint here in the fact that no matter how they try to serve it up to us they've gotten rid of the lineage so you know this is the first champion of this title there is no prior lineage you know right much in the same way that when um i i could be wrong i i don't remember if it was jumbo or tenru who won at first but you know when when they I believe it was Jumbo when Jumbo unified the all Japan triple crown, like they didn't like hearken on the fact that they're like, there's three lineages. Like, yes, they're part of it, but this is a new title and he's the first champion, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't have to get into all that, but it's something that I, I don't think I was a big fan of. I think a lot of other people have had a complaint about that too. And for them to play that historical video is sort of negate – like it's sort of them trying to like have a make good on the fact that like, oh, sorry guys. We got rid of the lineage of these two titles. Yeah. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to give you a little nod to the history there. But like realistically, it's just a bushy. Yeah. We did, we did have a question about this too from Reddit user Jamanis asking for our thoughts on the new championship intro video. He says, I think this gives NJPW the opportunity to on the legacy of past champs with us a little selective amnesia. It's hard to catch everyone in that video, but I see Inoki and Fujinami at the beginning 
followed by the Three Musketeers and so on, though the modern through the modern champions. You know, I didn't see Lesnar or Sap or some champions in JPW would prefer we forget. Yeah, and I mean that's part of the problem is like, you know, um the IWGP championship for you know, the better part of like 33, 34 years has been one of the most consistently booked championships, especially given the the era that we just came out of where New Japan was, you know, doing all this big business and was so revered. Um there 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 wasn't really a need to undo that lineage undo that title history um it, it it just doesn't really make a lot of sense to be honest with you yeah um i i heard someone today actually was talking about it and they were saying why did they do this they didn't really have a good reason why and they thought maybe it's because and it, we'd alluded to this last week i said that sometimes like management comes in and just changes things because they feel like they need to change things to to, to like put their stamp on it. And like, maybe that's what this is. Like it's the new regime coming in and being like, it's a new era and and not understanding uh, or caring how much people really respected and revered the lineage. And I guess the last point I'll make towards this is like, you could have given us a new belt and it would have been fine. And you could have put the word world into the title and it would have been fine. And you could have unified the belts, and it would have been fine. But getting rid of the lineage decreases in this case. Now, it's case by case because, like, for instance, with the All Japan Triple Crowns, I think that you had three belts that were all of similar stature, you know, and kind of did create something that was greater than the whole of them. But here, that wasn't the case. You had your world title and then a secondary title and they were treated and both brought down to create, <laughs> you know, something that was comparable to something you already had, but less. Right. And, uh, and I, I don't think they needed to do this. Yeah. I, yeah. We've talked about this before. Yeah. I don't think they need to do this also. I mean, it's, it would have been so easy just to, yeah, like you mentioned, put the world on the title, get the new belt. And then Abushi could have been the 70 or, the seventy still would have been the seventy fourth champion. Then, with Osprey winning, he would have been the seventy fifth champion instead of Abushi being the first and Osprey now being the second. Yeah, and then you know it's I guess it's cool that they're like showing us these IC champions, but it's like the IC championship, like yeah, it had its day in the sun and it had some really great champions, but like it wasn't the IWGP title, you know? Right. Chris Jericho is not a former IWGP champion. Like Lasombra is not a former IWGP champion. Like. Neither is Hiroki Goto, you know, or MVP <laughs> or MVP, you know, so um, I don't know, man, like I, I get it. It's cool. I wonder how long that's going to continue. I have a feeling it might even just be like the one time. Right. You know, or just or, to kind of like start then, it off. And, they might do it until they build up a few more champions and then you just. Kinda, well, kinda... We, we, we've already got a lineage going now. We've got two champions. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like, why would you do that? Yeah, or it could just be their their way to feel they feel like they can kind of appease you know the fans who are upset about the lineage by showing hey look we still we're still honoring them with this fancy video. I'm not buying what they're selling. <laughs> like you know, you you can call it what you want and say what you want, but that's not what it is. You know. Yeah. And I I'm sure there's some people that are like, you know, why are you guys getting worked up about something that's fake? And it's like, hey, I get it, but the title's supposed to mean something. 
you know, and and if the and if this new title does mean something, that's great, and that is what it is. But you can't also you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't tell me you're honoring the previous titles while also erasing the lineage, right? Because that doesn't fly. Like if if you're erasing the lineage, then that's what you're doing, and just be be. I'd prefer they not even not thinking about it and talk about it in the air. Like I'd prefer they just not do this. Like if you guys want to go into this new era so boldly, like just fucking do that. You know, right? Just yeah, put your bull stamp on it. Yeah, we got rid of the lineage. Here's our first champion. Just go from there. It's like a breakup. It's like, yeah, we're not together anymore, but we had some good times. Let's look back on those fondly. We, we can still be friends. <laughs> well, like, the uh, fuck? Let's talk about the match here. Uh, after 30 minutes and 13 seconds, Will Ospreay defeats Kota Ibushi to become the new and second IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. What do you think about the match here? Uh, the match itself was very good. Um I was not into it, I think, maybe the way other people were for some reason. Um, the pace, I think, was a little bit slower than I was expecting, especially given these two. Um, they definitely did quite a bit of wrestling in the beginning, which was fine. Um, Kota Bushi has really seemed to be kind of focusing on the wrestling aspect of his matches, especially since he started defending the title. Um, but I, I don't know, like there was some really great stuff here. I mean, there was the spot where Abushi did the like schoolboy roll through into like some sort of like, German. I don't even know what you call it. Yeah. That, like, that sort of crazy slam. That was amazing. I love that spot. Osprey did a, like a, he draped Abushi over the ropes and hit a shooting star press and then went up, hit another, you know, standard shooting star. That was incredible. There was a, a flying knee that, uh, that like Osprey killed Abushi with there. There was quite a few spots that really were memorable. Even the, uh, the hangman's German from the second rope. Yeah. Um, that was like one of the better ones that I think I've ever seen anyone take or get hit with. Uh, it was. It looked devastating. Yeah, super you, high angle. You had the uh, the poison rana spot from the top where Osprey flips out, lands on his feet, kind of something that's been in all their matches. Some kind of flippy spot where Osprey lands on his feet and stares at Abushi, and Abushi is shook. That one didn't really affect me the same way because it's like you've seen it once, you've seen it a million times, and like I like callbacks where they build on each other, not where they get rehashed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I prefer like this happened in the previous match. So now we're going to tweak it and change it a bit because the person learned from it. And then the next time that person tried to learn from it, but now the other opponent has found a counter for his counter. You know what I mean? Yeah. But instead of Bushi just keeps trying the, sa- the same shit against Osprey every time Osprey lands on his feet every time. And then Abushi looks shook. Like how the fuck did he do that? <laughs> well, bro, <laughs> When was that December match with with him and um him and uh Omega against Tanahashi and him? That was like what 2018, 2019, like that was yeah. years ago. Yeah. Like bro, you should have figured this out by now. Like stop trying to do 
variations of a uh, <laughs> a rana, yeah, <laughs> of a rana off the top rope, and and expecting this guy to not land on his feet, like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. But you know, I in a vacuum, if you've never seen it before, that's fine. I just I like my matches that are in a series to have a series build and feel to them, um, personally. Yeah, um, I, I thought the match was really great. Um, I actually kind of enjoyed the kind of a little bit of a slower pace from these guys and a lot of the grappling in the beginning match. I feel like it kind of fit well with kind of all what's happening in New Japan. You know, they have this whole thing of like evolution and legacy with the titles, and I think this match really kind of showed the the evolution of Abushi and Osprey style. You know, both of these guys are traditionally people will call them spot monkeys. They all they do is flip. Um, and, and now they've both evolved their styles where it includes a lot more wrestling, a lot more striking. It's not all about the flips. And so we've got a lot of that here with the grappling, um, the, the intentional body part work, um, Osprey working over the neck and back uh, throughout the match, uh, Bushi targeting the shoulder and the nose um, and, and points in the match. And so I thought that was really good stuff there. I, I liked that, but it kind of got just abandoned and forgotten later on in the match, which like I don't always hark on that, but my whole thing is if you're gonna tell a story around it, at like don't totally abandon it. You know, yeah. like that was something that they kind of totally abandoned. I thought the match was fine. Um the the surprising thing for for me was just how absolutely dominant in my opinion, Will Ospreay really came off in this match. Uh, it felt, it, it was interesting because in times past, they, they've had quite a few matches at this point. I've really enjoyed all of them, but this one felt the most like, I guess, Will's sort of coming out party against Ibushi, where Ibushi just kind of, in my opinion, didn't seem like he was, from, from a story standpoint, in the same league as Osprey. He never was able to really quite figure out the equation, how to defeat him, how to get past him. And Will beat him supremely clean, one, two, three. Yeah. No outside interference. No, yeah, no shenanigans. Uh, the members of the United Empire were out at ringside, but they were far in the corner just watching. Yeah, no run-ins from them. We had no you know comebacks of uh, B. Priestley. Um, that people thought might have happened just straight up. You know, we got the, the Chelsea grin, the hidden blade, the Stormbreaker, one, two, three, beat this man clean. Yeah, and I'm not complaining about that or anything. Um, I just, for me, I think I would have enjoyed the match more had it been more of a uh, high stakes 50 50 affair. I don't think that's the story that they were necessarily going for here. And so that's fine if that's the story that they're trying to tell because I think they did a great job in making Osprey look like a dominant, competent champion. You know, yeah, uh, it's it's the total opposite of what we'd said the prior year when say Evil won after the New Japan Cup. You know, so it, it's a far in the other extreme, and that's great. Uh, but from my taste, considering who was in this match, I think I would have liked to seen something that was a little more close to the previous matches they'd had or more similar to like the Shingo Osprey match. Um, again, I'm probably four stars in this match. So nothing to really like disparage, but you know, when we're talking about classic IWGP level wrestling matches, I much preferred Abushi and, um, 
Naito for the IC title back in February over this match, just as a, a comparison point, you know? Yeah, I mean, I was pretty high on this match. I went four and a half. I, I really enjoyed it, and I think I I, pop, I popped for the, the Poison Rana spot. I thought the camera work was great, and the crowd actually gasped with that spot. Uh, and yeah, there's a lot of stuff in this match I really enjoyed. I, don't, I definitely don't think it was their best match that they ever had, but for me, it was still in that four and a half range. I know a lot of people I've seen are kind. Of, I've seen a lot of four and a quarters. Um, some four and a half, but more kind of the four and a quarter, four star range. So, I think it's yeah, that's ahead. that's that's pretty much where I am. And I, you know, I've seen a lot of people say that they have better matches than them. Well, I'm like, well, clearly because they've <laughs> had better matches in the past. Um, but that, if you haven't seen this match, I'd still say it was probably match of the night. Still a big recommend. And I think that this is going to be historically speaking, and you know, for this year one of the most important matches for New Japan business-wise. And I think we've already started to kind of see um, – remember, I said that last week, and I feel like I was ahead because we're already starting to see the business ramifications of the outcome of this match already. And right. I feel kind of like Nostradamus with this shit. <laughs> yeah, man. Also, listen, I know, I know that I got swayed a little bit. A little bit. You started swaying me last week on the show. I think I might have even gone with Abushi Anya. I I can't remember what yeah. the official prediction. Yeah, you you went with Abushi. Okay, but since November, I've been saying that Will was going to win this title at yeah. Sakura Genesis. So you, did. you, you know, I, I faltered at the last. <laughs> well, the more the more I thought about it too, I was like, that I should I should have known Osprey. I mean, it was United oh, Empire's no. night. They they had you know Hanare debuting. I, it, it made a ton of sense for Osprey to win and really, you know, get some fuel behind the United Empire. I should have, I should have gone with Osprey well, here. We talked about that last week. I mean, I'm, I was still genuinely surprised, and the biggest reason I was surprised was because, from a business standpoint, like they still got these huge shows coming up, and historically speaking, Will has not ever really proven himself to be like a huge draw in Japan. You know. He's popular, you know. People like to see him wrestle, but you know, I also some, feel some like, people. Ma- huh? <laughs> I said some people. <laughs> some people, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, a lot of people are pissed that he won this shit, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that might be changing uh, as you know, kind of evidenced, you know, so far. So we'll see what happens going forward. But uh, I still was like, I don't know if I put the belt on him when I've got a dome show and a stadium show. And Dantaku and yada yada, you know. Right. But uh, yeah. I mean, this was kind of the plan. It's been the plan for a while, and they executed it. And Will is now the, not only is he the champion, but you know, mimicking someone who he has close uh, comparisons to most of his career. He repeats what AJ Styles did. Back in the day, holding both the IWGP title and the Repro title simultaneously. Yeah, sending a tweet out saying lightning strikes twice, with a uh, kind of comparison next to the, the AJ pick of AJ holding both titles. Yeah, although I guess technically this is actually a different IWGP title altogether. Right, so it's different. <laughs> it's different. <laughs> uh, Just like Hulk Hogan was never an IWGP champion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, post-match here We had Cobb laying out Ibushi Toward the islands Osprey celebrating with both titles 
Uh, he then calls out Okada for revenge of what happened in Wrestle Kingdom. Okada comes out, just kind of pounds away at the microphone, get the crowd to clap, but then Shingo slides in real quick, and he's like, nobody remembers that you uh, beat Osprey at Wrestle Kingdom. They remember me beating you in the New Japan Cup, uh, so I should get the first shot at Osprey. You know, that doesn't work out because you just got beat by the champion clean in the tournament <laughs> finals, you idiot. Right. <laughs> you know, that's another reason I think I started going with uh, Abushi last week because I was like, well, if they are going to do Shingo, he can't clearly face Will because he just lost to him clean. Right. But they said, nah, forget that. Yeah, and, and they were setting and, up... And they, were, and they, like, set up Ibushi and Shingo for so long. And they were setting up Ibushi Okada also. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> Swerve, bro, swerve. Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, and I'm fine with the decision. It's just, it just seems so weird based off of, like, I don't know. Like They're giving us a lot of red herrings that they're not, like, you know, paying off, which is not usually something we say about this company. Right. Uh, so we've got a bunch of questions here on this main event. Um, first from friend of the show, Dan Coffin. He says, why did they make Ibushi take all the abuse over the new championship after the first hints it wasn't going to go over with a lot of fans when they knew Will was winning? Why not call an audible after the first hints and then have Will announce the invocation to get more heat? Uh, I, I don't really have a good answer for that. I think that what he's saying kind of does make sense. You could have hypothetically huh. – well, here's the thing. I'm trying – like I'm just trying to think about this for a second. I don't know. Like do you have a good – do you have a good answer for this? I mean I really don't. I mean we know sometimes you know, New Japan office is not really always tapped in to what the, the fan response is or something, the decision like this. And I think for them they felt like – Oh, I think they probably thought fans would think it's cool that they're doing this unification and making this new title. And so, you know, you're going to have your, your babyface champion be the poster boy for this. And then it kind of got announced and like, well, they didn't want to like go back on it after it kind of wasn't being announced. So I think they just kind of had the plan. They're like, we're just going to stick, you know, just kind of go with it. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, trying to answer Dan's question, I'm just thinking about the logistics here. And he's like. He asked when the first hints came out that it wasn't going to go over. Um, why not call an audible and basically have him announce the unification? But then you're talking about an entirely different timeline because Abushi started talking about this unification like what late January, early February. Yeah, and it just happened now. We're like in the beginning of April, so there's like a lot of time that passed. I, I don't know how they could have audibled after – because the whole idea was that it wasn't supposed to go over bad. The whole idea was that a fan favorite was supposed to introduce it and it was supposed to be received well. I don't think they ever intended to get heat off of it at all because, I, like you said, I don't think they were trying to get heat. Right. And it, I think by the time – like once you have the babyface announce it, you kind of have to do it. Right. And we didn't know at the time that they were going to get rid of the lineages. He just kept talking about unifying the titles, which, like you mentioned earlier, it would have been fine if they unified the titles and kept the lineage. And so when they had that press conference, it was like right before Secure Genesis, we're like, oh, yeah, you know, 
the belts are being unified. Oh yeah, by the way, we're, we're, we're scrapping the lineage. Like Abushi is going to be the first world heavyweight champion. I think that was when the really big uproar came. Yes. Um, I mean, kind of. I think once people realized there wasn't going to be a IC title, that was like the first initial controversy as well. But uh, I, I don't know that they could have audibled is the problem because I don't think that they were trying to get heat as unbelievable as that sounds. <laughs> right. Uh, next question from at Purezzo1972 on Twitter. He says, my question is, what would you do with Ibushi now? Is it time for him to turn heel and have the Tanahashi feud? No, I would say no. I mean, think about it. We've already got a conundrum as it is when it comes to Jay White. I mean, Jay White is like one of the top heels in the company. And then you kind of had evil sort of in that role last year. And now you got Osprey sitting at the top with some heavy hitters right behind him, you know, Khan and Jeff Cobb. And it kind of puts, uh, you know, Jay White in limbo. I mean, he's chasing the Never title. <laughs> right. So, so I mean, if I'm Osprey or if I'm uh, Abushi, I don't know that I turn heel or, you know, if I'm creative, if I turn him heel because we've already got like two or three or four top heels in the company established already. Um, could he fulfill a tweener role if that's what you're trying to do? I guess. But I, I think that for the time being, he's probably better suited as a top babyface. Right. And we've seen there is money in the chase. And like we talked about last week, Gato loves to do tragedies. The tragedy here is, you know, the new champion lost his belt on the first defense. So now you're going to have this kind of redemption arc of Abushi trying to get the title back. And so I think there's a story to tell there of him trying to chase and uh, working his way to get back through Osprey. So I think, I mean, the most logical thing would be to have him work through the Empire. You know, Cobb laid him out. You, you could do a Ishii Cobb matchup. You could do Ishii, I mean, excuse me, Ibushi Cobb. You could do Ibushi uh, Great Okan, Ibushi Hanara. You can have Ibushi, you know, feud with the United Empire, fight through those guys to eventually get back to Osprey. Yeah, I don't know about all that. Uh, that would be fine. I'm not sure about the creative. Uh, that's too hard for me to call. But, you know, the bottom line is this. You know, by the time May comes around, I'm assuming we're probably going to have this new title around, firmly around the waist of Okada once again. May to May, you're talking about a, tw- a 12-month period. We've had three completely new IWGP champions in the span of a 12-month period. Um, now some people might complain that that's too much hot potatoing, but I mean, you know, I, I felt like every guy that had the title had multiple defenses, had strong reigns. And, um, that's what we got with evil. That's what we got with, uh, Ibushi. And I feel like that's what we're about to get here with Osprey. And it's very clear that they are getting many of these guys established as IWGP level contenders and level competitors because we are about to see you know some of these the older guard de-emphasized and de-escalated you know within the booking so you know this is this is them making stars and them elevating guys and that's what they decided to do with will and that's what they decided to do with abushi and i don't think they're done with with you know abushi by any means um i can't say when i think he's gonna regain the title or anything like that uh but you know, I'm assuming he's going to be a major player for quite a while to come. Yeah, 
yeah, I don't think yeah heel turns definitely not the right move here. Um, but but I'm glad that you brought up uh, Switchblade Jay White because we actually had two questions here. Uh, one from good friend of the show Rich Ladder. He says, "What's the Will versus Jay rivalry look like now?" As Will pulled ahead, and then we had a question from Reddit user Amos uh, Barbatum. It says, "With Will Osprey winning the title, it feels like Jay White's new era has really hit a wall." With Will as an effective heel gadget at the moment, do we see a path for Jay to become the dominant champ we know he can be, or is he forever stuck constantly chasing the mountaintop like so many others like Naito and Ibushi? That is a tough question to answer. Um, I mean, I think it's clearly evidence that the company has a lot of faith in Will. They have for quite some time. They've given him a lot of opportunities, and he's excelled every single time they've given him those opportunities. Um, but Jay is still doing some of the best work of anybody in New Japan right now. Um, he's even, you know, on the tails of a Tanahashi match that I was not a big fan of during the um, New Japan Cup. They, they've been able to get me invested in a rematch between these two guys. So that just kind of tells you, you know, what kind of work he's doing. Um I, I'm not sure as far as like what the timeline is or anything, but I, I also put Will in that camp with Osprey, with Ibushi, as guys who are not done being IWGP champions, you know. I think the the real question here is people are focusing too much on, you know, Sonata, Will, Jay. Osprey, Abushi, which is going to be, you know, the, the the you know they're they're focusing on them within this one realm, and it's a secondary realm. The real question is, who's going to take down Okada? Mm. It's Okada and everybody else, right? I know Okada hasn't held the title for a while because that they've been allowing a reprieve of time for all these different individuals to get circulated. But guess what? The story isn't Will and Jay, even though that's you know, an ancillary story. The real story is who is going to be the ace after Okada? Who's going to be able to dethrone Okada? Because we're getting ready to, co- to coordinate him once again, come, you know, this next dome show in May. <laughs> like That's the real narrative here. Yeah. Um, as far as like Rich's question, as far as if Will pulling. I, yeah, that's uh, an interesting one. So I don't think that Will has pulled ahead of Jay. Um, so, you know, these guys have kind of had, like, parallel careers and being the guys and kind of won their, their ascents into New Japan. And I feel like, you know, Jay kind of really got already got established as IWGP guy. You know, he he won the title, main event at Madison Square Garden. You know, he, he's been in these kind of big, you know, title match and title pictures. You know, Osprey was just recently elevated to heavyweight. And um, we're now now we're seeing the full push. And now I feel like Will and Jay are kind of on the same level right now. Uh, Will is just going to title. He's being established as a main event guy. I don't think he's quite pulled ahead of Jay right now. Yeah. I mean, it kind of depends on what level you're really talking about. Um, and, I mean, I guess we could do the whole comparison of, you know, titles they've won, places they've been, match quality skills, promos, yada, yada. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's really going to come down to what, like who's done more in the company. And at this point it's Jay White. Uh, 
that's not to like negate anything that Will has done, but like Jay has done more in a shorter period of time in the company. Now that doesn't mean it's always going to stay that way. And there's clearly a rivalry between these two, um, professionally and maybe even personally, I don't know, but, um, I, I, I'm looking forward to down the line for the matches that are still yet to come between them. I think um, a lot of people did expect when Jay, at the end of Wrestle Kingdom, cut the tearful promo, went away, and you know was getting sort of some positive feedback from the Chaos guys. I think I think cert- certain you know fans were expecting him to come back and to be on the path to a babyface turn because it was so clear that they were about to ascend Will Ospreay as the top guy to babyface. That hasn't really spun out or, you know, happened that way. And now we're, we're, we're in a place where like we have two top Gaijin heels simultaneously. Will's the, the, you know, number one right now, clearly but I'm wondering, like, when they do lock it up in the future, like, is it just going to be like a G1 sort of thing where they're only fighting at G1s? Or are we going to see full blown, like, Bullet Club versus United Empire feuds? These guys fight over the title. You know, they have, a, a, like, a long storied rivalry. Like, is that where we're going? I think that that's, that's an interesting thing. But again, it's all secondary to Okada. Okada's the guy at the top right now. And. Like, someone's got to take the mantle from him, and he's, like, only, what, 33, 32? Yeah, something like that, yeah. He's still young, man. Like, I don't know. It's a tough one. Yeah, that, that, that is the main story here. But, I mean, I don't, I don't think, like you mentioned, I don't think Jay is done being a top guy. I think he's definitely going to get another title run in the future. He's going to be one of the pillars of this kind of new era going forward. And there's still time and room for them to do the babyface turn story if they ever want to go that way. You know, um, that's still on deck. So right. they they could they could easily do a version of the feud where they're both heels. Um, right. we, I think both guys are, huh? I'll say, yeah, we, we saw how a, a heel versus heel Osprey Sabre match worked out, and that worked out really well. Yeah, I think they're talented enough to tell that story in a compelling way, plus they have a lot of history already to build off of. And then when they're ready, they can come back with the roles reversed down the line as well. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of tread on, on these tires. Yeah. Uh, next question from Reddit user quake seven, one, what are your thoughts on no personality Ibushi getting a major title run while Sonata never gets a title and he is accused of having no personality. I feel that Sonata is technically superior in ability to Ibushi, but gets no love. What? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Okay, I, I'll be respectful here. Quake seven one. I appreciate the question. I disagree with you in almost every single point here. Abushi um, has tons of personality. Now it might not be the kind of personality that like you're accustomed that people are accustomed to like here in the states. But to say he has no personality is like that's ridiculous. That's not true at all. And then to compare him to Sonata, who literally actually has no personality and to compare it to Ibushi, it's night and day as far as like technical ability. Yes. Sonata is a great technical wrestler, but like Ibushi's is like one of the all time elite wrestlers that has ever like lived on every single level, no matter what 
style or aspect of professional wrestling like you want to focus on, whether it's mat wrestling, shoot fighting, striking, high flying, comedy, deathmatch, intergender, like <laughs> um, junior style, Lower dolls. <laughs> uh, yeah, like. <laughs> There, there's no doubt like there's a there are very clear reasons why abushi is where abushi is and sonata is where sonata is yeah i mean the fact that sonata's gimmick has to be cold skull to, to cover up the fact that he doesn't have a personality is all, all the proof in the pudding right there also like to say sonata gets no love is ridiculous this guy gets like an annual title match like bro 2019 what do we get like three or four okada matches yeah, this guy gets. Come so, on, he's he's gotten so many pushes, so many opportunities. Dude, the last that, what four multiple titles? Four years of New Japan Cup was all built around him getting closer every year until he finally got to the finals and won. Yeah, that's not a that's not an accurate thing at all. Yeah, Sonata's gotten plenty of love, and we talked about it on the show. You, you can pull up the cage matches. You could you could look at the match quality. Yes, Sonata is a great athlete. He's a great wrestler, but oftentimes he only wrestles up to the level of the guys in there with. You're not going to count on a Sonata to you know elevate a, a mid card guy um, and, and have this kind of blow away match. Like you can put Abushi in there with anybody, a young lion, a, a mid card guy in the main event, and you're going to get an incredible matchup. Sonata should never be IWGP champion. Just throwing it out there. Mm. <laughs> uh, next question from uh, Viking Payne. Do you guys think it's too soon for Shingo to get a title shot? I don't want to see him get fed to Osprey again, especially coming off his loss to Will in the New Japan Cup. Or do you guys think Shingo actually has a chance to win it since, it's, since first-time champs tend to always drop the belt after one or no defenses? <sighs> first-time champs don't tend to drop the belt in their first defense to another person who is getting their first shot that like almost never happens. I do. I feel pretty confident that they are not hot shotting this belt to Shingo, which means for the Osprey haters or for the Shingo lovers or, you know, whatever, on the Venn diagram, the crossovers between those two groups, which I think is probably pretty high. Yeah. <laughs> um, much to their like dismay, Shingo's going to eat another loss in quick succession or, or, to or Osprey. They they could go the hour draw. They could, but you know, even if they do the quote unquote draw, that is that is that's a way they could go, but it's still not a win. Right, he, Shingo's not winning, but if they don't want to beat him, they they could pull a draw out. They could, yeah. I mean, that's on the table. But then again, you know, and that might be the way to go because you know, um, Osprey had to rely on quite a bit of cheating and outside interference to defeat him in the last match, and then, you know, in a clean, straight up one on one match, maybe he doesn't have enough to beat him clean. But then, uh, you know, so that would be part of the narrative of Osprey's title run. Um, I kind of like that story, but either way, Shingo's not beating Will Ospreay. Right. So do you think it was too soon to do this matchup? Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, well, maybe not because we're about to talk about the business side of it. Like it's from all reports doing extremely well, which is 
kind of the point, you know, to sell tickets. Mm -hmm. So from that aspect, like, no, maybe they're striking while the iron's hot. I don't know. But for me, I just feel like I thought if, if it was, um, Ibushi, it made more sense because they've been building a match between and teasing a match between Ibushi and Shingo for a while now. And instead we're getting a rematch of the, uh, New Japan Cup, I guess the story you could tell is like, hey, you had to cheat to beat me. Mm -hmm. But Shingo never even made that a a talking point during his promo when he came out to challenge, which is something I think he really should have focused on. Like, you you needed help to beat me, beat me clean this time, you know? Right, yeah. Um, So I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, obviously, we, we kind of like that. We want to have, you know, fresh matchups, fresh main events, and kind of see things spaced, spaced apart. But we'll talk about in a second, you know, the business ramifications um, doing extremely well. And obviously, it's, it's a great match every time. And we talked about last week, you want to establish this new title with great main events. So you're, you're going to get a great main event out of these two guys again. Uh, so looking at the next question here from Muzza, he says, while what Osprey has done in the past of all speaking out allegations is terrible, is some of the backlash he's getting from winning the title a bit too much? Uh, I think it kind of depends, to be honest with you. I mean, I, far be it for me to tell someone how offended they should or shouldn't be concerning Osprey's actions. And let's be clear here. I mean, it's not just speaking out i mean will has consistently over the years done a lot of shitty idiotic things (laughs) he said a lot of dub things on twitter over the years bro how remember the time uh since we're talking about wrestlemania weekend like remember one of our first the wrestlemania weekend in new orleans where he told me to fuck off like and i didn't do shit to him right we're just trying to get a nice little (laughs) drop for the podcast and yeah, we hadn't even heard any really bad stories about him back then, but now like now my story sounds a lot more plausible, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um even with that being the case, I mean, I think that I think that um I don't know. I d I don't want to say the wrong things here because it, it's definitely like if if someone is upset about what he's done or what he's been alleged to have done or how the company handled it or they're not a fan of his because of those things. Like I get it. But I also think that sometimes there are mob mentalities that can develop over things. And like, if it's fashionable to dislike someone because it's gaining steam and traction, sometimes that will happen. You know, so I don't know how, um, you know, sincere all the hate is, you know, it might just kind of be something that people have fallen into, but then again, like, who am I to really question that? You know, if, if you're upset about it, then you're upset about it, you know? Um, but I also think that there does need to be like a measured response to, to it because I mean, um, if you think – and I've come on the air and I've said I think wholeheartedly, 100%, I think the things he was alleged to have done uh, with the speaking out movement happened. I think he did that shit. That's my opinion. I, based off the evidence, based off everything I've heard and seen, 
I do think he did it. But, you know, I also have to understand that even if I think he did that and it's a terrible, those are terrible, awful things. It's not the same sort of thing as like what David Starr was doing or like what Joey Ryan was doing, you know, and like I wouldn't necessarily personally lump him in with sexual predators, even though I think that, you know, the allegations are very bad and where you stand on all this, that's not for me to say. You know, some people might really not fuck with him over that shit, and that's totally fine, and they're justified in feeling that way. But at the same time, it might not just, it might not be that. You know, I, I, some, I don't know. Other people are able to kind of like separate the art and the artist. You know, for me, I'm kind of that way because I, I personally have been a fan of wrestling for almost my whole life, and I am of the knowledge and understanding that most of these wrestlers are not good people (laughs) and I don't hold them up as like virtuous moralistic people that like I follow as entertainers because I think they're good people or I think that they, you know what I mean? Like that's not real. They're not the, the paragon of righteousness for, for me personally. So, I mean, I don't know. That's a hard question to ask. I mean, I probably said stuff just now that people are not going to like, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of my thoughts are, are very similar to yours, and I, I'm kind of agree with you. I, I kind of am able for certain things, kind of do that art artist separation. I mean, if we if you kind of analyze, you know, all the companies you support and things you buy, like I'm sure if you look at a lot of the figureheads, there's probably a lot of horrible people leading some of your favorite companies or bands or whatever. And you know, like you, we've said on the air several times, you know. Overall, professional wrestlers, they are, they are not the best people in the world. Uh, but, yeah, if people want to be – people have every right to be upset about the Osprey thing. Uh, and, you know, people don't want to watch his matches if they don't want to watch New Japan anymore. They're mad he has a title. They have every right to feel that way. Um, but clearly we're, we're seeing that for business-wise, this seemed like the right decision. You know, and there's other ways to look at it too. Is like so much of what you hear and see is going to be based on what kind of insular like bubble of wrestling you sort of habitate. Um, because I mean, I can guarantee you that there are probably circles out there that are thrilled that he won and are heaping praise on him. And then there's other crowds who are not happy with this at all and are, you know, upset and, you know, talking shit about the company and, you know, that's fine too. Um, but I, I don't know that just by taking a small sample size off of Twitter or off of a discord or whatever, you know, social media you use to, you know, do your wrestling talk that that's going to give you a holistic view of what all the fans realistically think, especially since their target audience is Japan. And I don't know that the Japanese crowd really cares about this on any real level. You know what I mean? Right. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying you shouldn't care about it. If you care about it, I'm just saying, I don't think they do care. And that's something, if you're going to watch this company, you kind of have to, I guess, make peace with, or, or draw a line and say, I, I'm not going to watch because as long as he didn't like sexually assault someone, didn't rape someone, didn't do something that he could literally go to prison for, 
Because let's be clear, the, the allegations, while ugly, they're things that maybe you could get fired for, but they're not things you'd go to jail for. Right. They're not things that there'd be a criminal case for. There was no criminal action. It was just something that was like shitty that maybe he could get quote unquote canceled for, you know, in the eyes of fans or, or you know, people in the industry. So, I mean, you kind of have to understand that there there is a difference there. And for New Japan, on their end, after, you know, investing all this time, all this energy and all this money into him and the fans being, you know, heavily invested as well, I don't think that they're not going to, you know, they're not going to not promote him based off an allegation that was never proven. Right. It's just not going to happen. Especially one that's not a criminal allegation. No, they're not going to. Yeah. I mean, fuck, they almost used Marty Skrull last month. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's move on to the next question. Hey, here. I did want to say something. Osprey won, his, won the title on his first attempt. You know who did not win the title on their first attempt? Yeah. Kenny Omega. Osprey has beaten Kota Bushi Multiple times now. You know who's never beaten Kota Ibushi? Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega. I, I think that maybe they're, this this is the company letting us know, like, this is the new best bout machine. <laughs> 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 and you know what? If if we wanted to go apples to apples, you know, great match for great match, you know who's had more great matches in New Japan than, than Kenny Omega? Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay. And you know, Osprey might be uh, throwing better V triggers than Kenny. That that flying knee on a Bushi Bro, that flying was, v was like nothing I've ever seen before. Was from, it, I, yeah, it was like, it was nuts. It was mind blowing. Oh my god. Oh man. Uh, let's go to the next question here from our buddy. The implications at the damn Implicat on Twitter. He says, "Is Shingo and Osprey's elevation one of the better examples of folks killing it in the junior division and rising to main eventing for the world title?" There are some obvious contestors to this. Yeah, I think that they are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't want to add too much to that. I think it is. Those are cases where guys did well. The only thing is, I don't think that this was necessarily a situation where these guys were earmarked as juniors, had to fight for years through the adversity to gain the ability or respect to jump. I mean, maybe in Will's case, there might be some of that. But for Shingo, there definitely wasn't. Um, based on both of their frames, though, and based on the investment, I think the company always intended for them to be heavyweights. Same thing with Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega was and, and Kota Bushi, I think, were both kind of like that. Like, I think long term, the company always intended for them to be heavyweights. They just were spending time as juniors prior to that, you know? Right. Yeah, I think, yeah, they did an excellent job here with the elevation of both these guys. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll see more stuff like this if it works out. If a junior has that kind of frame and that kind of ability, that we'll, we would see more elevations like this. Uh, next question here from Dom Honey 101. We kind of talked about some of the stuff he asked. He asked any opinion on the actual match between Osprey and Ibushi, which we talked about. Um, any idea what is next for Ibushi? Uh, we kind of threw some ideas out there. Uh, is it possible that we could see Ibushi run through the other members of the Empire until he gets his rematch against Osprey? Which is kind of what I was thinking. Um, I don't know if they'll tell that entire story, but at the end of this match, you alluded to it, or you mentioned it. Jeff Cobb, um, you know, delivered a tour of the islands to a 
you know, defeated and prone Kota Ibushi. So that's, that seems to be a direction that they're going to next. Um, you know, with that, uh, it also looks like based on the calendar, we might be getting tag matches between these two groups going forward. So I'm not totally sure, but, um, yeah, I don't know if we're going to get the, him running through the empire story because he even gets to run through LIJ like he was supposed to. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, he also asked, so if Kota Ibushi coming up on the short end, what are your guys' thoughts on Ibushi's title reign? To me, I think Ibushi's run with the title was underrated, one with some great to good matches, but people aren't going to view that due to due to being in their feelings about recent changes. Yeah, I, I think most... We, we talked about it last week. I think most of his title reign is going to be dominated by the the double gold and the unification and that that whole aspect of the story not so much um you know him as a character or his motivations or his vindications his personal feuds or anything like that i think he had some really great matches during his double title run and and all that but uh you know i i think it'll be seen as a good reign not a great reign or anything like that yeah, just like we mentioned last week, yeah, the, the, the reigns definitely, when, when we think back to Abushi's reign, we're going to think back about the unification and the, the losing the lineage and this new title, and I think people are not going to focus back in, oh, yeah, you know, he had that great IC match with Naito. Oh, you know, he had a great match with Despi. Uh, you know, he had a great match with Sonata. People are going to kind of overlook all that when examining his reign. Yep. Um, so that was the end of Secure Genesis. There was a, a press conference the next day. We had uh, Will Ospreay delivering his first press conference as the new world heavyweight champion. Did you uh, catch that press conference? I did. Did you watch this? I did, yeah. And um, so Ospreay making a, a lot of interesting points, kind of talking about the future of the United Empire. Uh, he talked about you know not being able to go back to the UK to defend the Repro title and um, saying it should be the IWGP uh, British heavyweight champion. Um, talked about a United Empire version should happen in stardom um, to uh, help elevate some of the women there. Honestly, man, this was just a trolley thing. Everything he said was stuff that's never really going to happen, in my opinion. They were all things to play up to the fact that he's a heel, he's a heel champion. You know, They asked him if he's going to split the titles. He said, I don't care about the past, no next yeah <laughs> and then he knows that many fans who are joshi fans do not like will osprey they don't like what happened with him and b Priestley uh recently at the end of the new japan cup so he's trying to get some heat off that and he's like i could see us doing an empire in stardom and like bro people fucking lost their minds over that <laughs> shit and guess what if you lost your mind over that shit you got worked you're a mark. <laughs> and then, um, you know, he's playing, he's playing with Brit Rez talking about how like, well, I can't get back to defend this British title. I don't know what they're going to do. I'm going to just hold on to it. And he's going to have to figure out some shit. He's going to have to hold on to the SWE title while I'm over here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I might even, you know, have them re redo this. It, it won't be the red pro title. It'll be the IWGP. Like, Bro, that that would fucking piss off so many because people. like I don't know if you know this, but you know the Rep Pro title is like a unified title that like carries two of the lineages of like some of the oldest like British uh, heavyweight titles. Um, so like, no, people would not fucking like that if like it became a New Japan title and it's no longer affiliated with 
with RevPro. Like, right. And he, he talks about uh, wanting to do a match against Drew McIntyre. He talked about yeah, title versus title. Talked about he C- wants, yeah. He wants to work with WWE. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, these are all tr- these are all troll things. Talked bro. about this is not real. Talked about CM Punk and like how in the past Punk talked about facing Osprey and he's like, oh, you want to prove if you really want to prove your best in the world, come face me. Yeah, and that's something. Um, we have some questions here about that. I, I I would like to see that, but I don't think it'll ever happen. He also talked about how you know at this point he's the greatest British wrestler of all time, and he he named some wrestlers that have come to Japan. And they never held the big belt, you know, British Bulldog, Dynamite Kid, Pete Dunne. But, you know, none of them could get it done like he got it done, apparently, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, and it's honestly, it's like pretty, it's pretty well known that like the greatest British wrestlers of all time are either either going to be Johnny Saint or more likely Billy Robinson, who did ha- did hold world titles in Japan, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know with his gimmick like he's just trolling everybody like he's a heel and that's what I, I i thought the i didn't think that the um press conference was terrible i thought it was fine but you know um i thought it was a little bit subdued a little bit reserved i would like will to like lean in to his heel him a little bit more but it was funny because he was clear every single point that he made were clearly things that are like just trolls and yeah. people are fucking biting on them hook line and sinker and they're getting worked and they hate him and it's kind of hilarious yeah instantly getting triggered and I'm just saying, triggered <laughs> i'm just thinking of uh i know you really don't watch bte that much anymore but there was a scene last week where uh you know private party is with uh matt hardy now and um, they're talking about, you know, how did you uh, get the butcher and the blade to, uh, you know, join our group? And um, Matt's like, oh, you know, I went to Broken Matt and like talked to them in, in a way they could understand. And they were like, oh, so you worked them? You're like, you didn't have to work us to be on your team. He's like, oh yeah, I did. I, I was, you know, the extreme Hardy Boys hero that you guys loved. And then uh, Isaiah's like, oh man, we're fucking marks. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny well, yeah so people get worked here uh the questions we had viking pan asked do you think the rep pro british heavyweight championship will be rechristened as the iwgp british heavyweight champion per osprey's request um I- i'm gonna say no to that one but i mean at this point they could do it I- that title spends more time in japan than it does you know in the uk so i don't know Right. I mean, we'll see what happens. I know they had the whole, was it SWE title that they're doing the tournament for? Yeah, that's from Southside Wrestling Entertainment, which got swallowed into RevPro, you know, due to COVID and maybe maybe speaking out too. I don't know. I don't know the whole story there, but yeah, they're they're trying to kind of, well, the last SWE champion was, uh, was your boy, uh, <laughs> what's his name? Uh, David Starr. And they, mm. they clearly, clearly had to take the title off him. So, yeah, they need a new champion and whoever wins that tournament, yeah, it's supposed to be. And I think he's I think he's playing up heat on that tournament as well. Yeah. You know? Like, oh, that t- that tournament's not really that big a deal because, you know, clearly I'm over here doing big things, so you guys are just going to have to make do, you know? Right. 
Um, his second question, he said, what are the odds we see the CM Punk-Will Ospreay match actually happen? We know Ospreay really wants it, and Punk has said in the past that he was open to facing Will Ospreay if the money and story was right. I, I, I don't think it's going to happen personally. Um, it, it, it really comes down to desire at that point uh, when it comes to CM Punk because, you know, we've we've seen – that there's a willingness from WWE to work with him. Um, you know, management has gone on record and said that, you know, they would, you know, provided everything worked out right, they'd work with him again. And history tells us that as well. But nothing, I mean, he was work. you know, he was doing the Fox show very recently and he never ended up doing anything with them. And I mean, there's a high likelihood that he just might not want to wrestle again. Right. I mean, there was a uh, there was some pictures that uh, circulated recently that showed Punk training. Uh, I forget with who, but he was, you know, in the ring doing some stuff recently. So who knows what that's about? But um, you know, at this point, like if if money's the subject, I mean, New Japan really can't compete. I mean, I guess they could, but you've got two two monsters over in America who are both willing to spend a, you know, a pretty dollar to, to get punk to come back to work with them, especially, you know, given how things are in in the wrestling world right now. So anything that new Japan offered to him, as far as monetary goes, Vince or TK could easily match that and, you know, go beyond it. Right. Plus we're in a, we're in a global pandemic. You know, we're we're still not at full capacity shows. You know, um, there was news last week that the uh, that the vaccines are rolling out pretty slowly in Japan, which has been sort of disappointing for a lot of folks. So there's that as well. So if they did end up working together, it would really come down to creative freedom and desire. Does Punk want to come to Japan? And does Punk want to wrestle for New Japan? And does Punk want to wrestle for the IWGB Championship? And you know, does he want to put himself through hell to get into ring shape to do something like that? And I, I don't know that he does. I mean, maybe he does. I, I can't say, but. Right. I mean, the ball is totally in his, in his court, whether he's going to wrestle or not. It's it's all up to him because people have made offers. People want to use all any company right now would love to use him. So it's all up all, on him. All I know is if they want to do business, they better not text him because. Because <laughs> <laughs> once you do that, the, the, the offer's off the table. Like he, <laughs> he doesn't even want to talk to you. All right. So now we, we got to talk about the Wrestling Dontaku Tour. We have a lot of uh, match announcements. We've got a ton of shows coming up. Um, so I have the full card here for the, for the tour that kicks off on Saturday. And then for the rest of the shows, I just kind of picked out the, the kind of the big highlight matches. Because obviously we'll, we'll do previews as we get to uh, some of these shows and do a more in-depth, but I just kind of want to look at some of the, the bigger matches on the road two shows, and then we can look at the full cards for wrestling uh, Satsuma Nukuni and the two nights of wrestling Dantaku. Um, so on yes, sa- I, say, I say we just run through them. Yeah, so on Saturday's upcoming card, we have uh, Suji versus Gabriel Kidd. Uh, we have Imura, Sho, and Yo versus Sugigun, Suzuki, Yoshinobu Kanamaru, and Ellis Parado. Suzuki Gun unit of Doki and Dangerous Techers against Shado and Girls of Destiny. Then we'll have um, two elimination tag matches. So in semi-main, we have uh, the Chaos team of Yoshihashi, Ishii, Goto, Yano, and 
Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on the Bullet Club team of Jay White, Kenta, Evil, Yujiro Takahashi, and Taiji Ishimori. And then the main event elimination match will be the LIJ team of Shingo, Naito, Sonata, and Bushi taking on the United Empire, Osprey, Okan, Jeff Cobb, and Aaron Hanare. Yeah, uh, I don't have really much to say there. I mean, I'm assuming what this is a Corkin show. I believe it is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a Corkin show. It's a Road 2 show, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then there will be some Road 2 shows after that, but no really kind of big matchups until we get to the April 18th show with the main event being Sonata and Naito versus Aaron Hanare and Great Ocon. Yeah, um, I think this one's interesting because we're getting Hanari and Sonata again. Um, you know, uh, Hanari having picked up that win off of Sonata, and then obviously the Naito Khan feud kind of continuing there. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting because they have some matches coming up on the 26th. And so it's going to be interesting to see if they kind of do the same thing here where, like, does Ocon like, hit his finish on Sonata and then Hanari do his finish again to kind of get the win there, or kind of what they're going to do. Yeah, because you don't really have an established pin eater in that match, so. Yeah, I think most fans like, must, must, will probably assume, oh, well, Hanare's probably going to get pinned, but yeah, maybe they go with Sonata getting pinned again, or who knows, maybe Naito getting pinned. We will see. Uh, Road to Wrestling Dantaku, April 19th. We have three singles matches. We have Tomohiro Ishii taking on Yujiro Takahashi, Hiroki Goto taking on Taiji Ishimori, and Yoshihashi taking on Kenta. Uh, this is all in preparation for the next evening when the uh, these six-man teams will be facing off against one another for the Never Openweight Six-Man Tag Team Championship. Right, so yeah, on the 20th, yeah, Ishii, Goto, and Yoshiashi defending against um, Taiji, Yujiro, and Kenta. Um, so a little in- interesting build here with the singles matches. Obviously, I think Goto is going to get his win back there on Taiji. Um, and then I think the Ishii, Yudro, and Yoshihashi Kenta matches are kind of could, could go either way. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I can't remember a time in, where they've done a six man tag feud and then paid it, you know, had a preview with singles matches. It's usually, um, you know, with New Japan, we usually get tag matches to preview singles matches. So it's kind of the opposite here. Right. Or you would get like a 10 man tag to preview the six man tag. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. yeah. So I think that's a little unique. I'm looking forward to it. Um, April 26th, Road to Wrestling Dantaku. Singles match between Sonata and Aaron Hanare, as well as Tetsuya Naito and Great Okan. Yeah, two uh, kind of big matches. They're kind of surprised they're happening on a road to, especially the Naito-Okan match, since that was kind of a big deal in the New Japan Cup. And also, we'll give final predictions as we get... Uh, closer to the show and uh, preview it, but yeah, two kind of big matches there on this road too. Yeah, I, I mean, with with the way that the schedule has been laid out this year and everything, I, I don't really totally understand it all the time, so I, I couldn't even begin to speculate why. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then we ha- we'll have wrestling Satsuma no Kuni night one Wednesday, April twenty eighth. We'll have a main event of the IWGP Junior Tag Titles on the line, or Punky 3K, defending against Desperado and Kanamaru. Um, then we'll have Toriano defending the KOPW 2021 provisional title against Evil. And we had a question from Muzza. He says, good to see Evil finally in the spot he should be in the KOPW trophy hunt. But could Evil make it work and be somewhat more legitimate, whereas Jano has not? Uh, no and No. <laughs> 
I don't even want to spend time like just, I don't have the, the time or energy to discuss the nuances of an evil KOPW provisional title reign. Like, fuck that. Uh, then we'll also have uh, United Empire, Osprey, Ocon, Hanare, and Cobb. Again. I mean, I wouldn't even go over these. We've got preview matches underneath it. I wouldn't even discuss those, to be yeah. honest. So, then, so looking at the night two, then uh, Thursday, April 29th. Um, which is also, again, a bunch of tag matches. Uh, the main event is Tanahashi and Ibushi Golden Ace taking on Aaron Hanare and Jeff Cobb. Yes, that one is interesting. Um, and I, I think the one underneath it is also interesting because the semi-main is Osprey and Okan against Shingo and Naito. So um, all four members of the United Empire in tag action in these top two build matches and in both cases, you don't really have a firm established pin eater. So you kind of have some up in the air situations there as far as what's going to be happening. Um, the, the other thing that's interesting as well is just um, Abushi, assuming up to this point, doesn't really have a, an established challenger or opponent, but he was attacked by Cobb at the end of the title match just recently. So. You know, I'm I'm supposing that they're probably setting up a big Abushi Cobb match going forward based off this tag match here. Yeah, that, um, and it, that would oh, make the most sense. That, that, that would make the most sense. They also have Tanahashi and Abushi teaming together as Golden Ace for the first time in quite a while. I know they're in the six man tag with uh, um, with Okada recently, but it's it, it feels like it's been a while since we've actually seen Golden Ace proper. Right, and then. Osprey and Okan against Shingo and Naito. That one's obviously uh, Shingo and Osprey um, preview match there, but we're getting more Okan and Naito. So, you know, it seems like there's a possibility that whatever happens on that singles match that we kind of detailed from the uh, Road to Show, maybe they're still building to something down the line on a bigger stage between the two of them. Right. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't be surprised if we ended that. Um, Road to show on like a fuck finish or something based yeah. on this. Yeah, there could be like a DQ or a count out that could lead to them having another uh, singles match down the line. Um, I don't know. Iron fingers? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll get to the iron fingers here. So, uh, Wrestling Dantaku Night 1 is happening Monday, May 3rd. Main eventing with the Never Openweight Championship on the line. Hiroshi Tanahashi will defend against Switchblade Jay White. Uh, Rainbow and Slam Big Ass is the upcoming Tanahashi versus Jay White match. The first time the Never title has headlined a bigger named show. Does that pretend a change in the style of match associated with the belt, or is the heavy hitting Never style coming to the main event? I don't really know the answer to that. Can you think of a Never title match that like main evented a big show like that? Uh... Uh, I mean, I guess it all depends on what you consider big shows. Like, where does Dontaku kind of fall in line with, like, New Beginning? Um, I think it's about the same. Because, I mean, we had Tanahashi and Shingo main eventing one of the New Beginning nights this year. I guess that's true, yeah. Which was but the- that's, like, that That also was, like, you know, kind of falls in line with his question because he's talking about, you know, the – um you know, the modern change where it's being slotted higher up. And that was pretty recently when that happened. Yeah. I can't think of, I'm sure, I'm sure somebody will Google and find a match, but nothing else is really coming to the top of my head right now. But I don't 
think that this match is going to be a traditional never style match just because it's it's Jay White. Um, I, I think it's going to be a, a Jay White Tanahashi match, and obviously there's a lot of focus on the JTO against the TTO. Um, so that's going to be a lot of the focus of the story. I don't think this is going to be our normal hard hitting never match. No, and um, I think that that's kind of what his question is. You know, a change in style of the match associated with the belt. You know, a change in its slotting within the company, how it's being perceived. And, you know, that might be one of the things that um, people are kind of praising. But, you know, there, there, I think there is sort of this underlying thing where people are like, oh, well, the Never title is so great. It's getting elevated. Kind of forgetting that, like, what people loved about the Never title is maybe going away. You know, the right. hard-hitting nature of it, the grittiness of those matches. You know, there's a reason we called it the Strong Style you know, title for so, so many years. And I, I think there's a good chance that we're, we've already seen the last of those matches yeah. for the time being. So then uh, the semi-main event of the evening is going to be the iron finger from hell ladder match featuring Tai Chi versus Tamatonga. A uh, series of questions here. Why do you do that, bro? So that so during secure Genesis, president Tsukabayashi walked to the back while holding the unprotected Iron Finger, does this explain why he was crazy enough to book a ladder match at Dantaku, <laughs> his skin connected with the finger? Insanity is the only reasonable option for why a ladder match was would be booked in New Japan in 2021. Mother says Iron Finger from Hell Ladder Match is a pure DT-ism, but will the match be good? And Dom Homie 101 says thoughts on the upcoming ladder match. I don't have a problem, but I could see that the not in New Japan type of people being angry about it. Lore. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I'm fine with it, to be honest, like people, people are always like, Tama needs to be a breakout guy. They need to give him a shot as a singles person. They need to put more highlight on him. And then you got people in the Taichi camp saying the exact same shit. And then they put him in a ladder match in, in, in a feud over these fingers that are clearly very important to the two of them. <laughs> and, er- and everyone's like, this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, I don't know. I'm the my only big pro- here's my big problem with it. They keep saying this is the second ever ladder match in New Japan history. This is the third ever ladder match in New Japan history. They like to forget that Taru, Manabu Nakanishi, and Hiroshi Tanahashi had a ladder match in like I, don't, I think it was 20, 2006, 2013, I don't know. So back in the day, they had a ladder match in the dark ages. It wasn't even the dark ages, <laughs> but um, yeah, I wouldn't even call this DDTism. the the one um, the one rule though, and the, here's the nice thing about this: the rule is whoever wins the Iron Fingers has to seal it up forever, meaning they're going away. Mm. Meaning after after this match is over, you won't be seeing Iron Fingers in New Japan unless hypothetically, they go back on their word because they did that already with, with uh, the Tenzon. With the Mongolian Chops and Tenzon. So who really knows if they're even going to abide by that? But, um, you know, I'm fine with it. I mean, people people can be upset that there's ladder matches, but there have been so, so, so many gimmick matches in New Japan over the years. I mean, I'd rather have this than KOPW, I'll tell you that much. Right, and this match has been built. Like it, it makes sense why this match is happening. It's not just a, a kind of a random stipulation that's happening. Um, I, I think it, it'll be fine. I don't think it's going to be blow away or anything um, with these two guys 
in a, in a ladder match, but it'll be fine. Yeah, and I mean, like, ladder matches never suck. Hardly ever. I guess sometimes. But, like, it's one of those matches where, like, it's really hard to have a really, really bad ladder match, you know? Yeah. So it's probably it's probably going to be m- somewhat good. Yeah, it, it might exceed people's expectations. Yeah. Um, the other interesting match on this night, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Tangaloa, uh, another preview match for the G.O.D. Dangerous Techers feud. I'm wondering, because that match happens before this one, I'm wondering – how in like how involved Zack Saber and Tangaloa are going to get in the ladder match because I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. Right, and maybe it's one of those things where like Tangaloa like, beats up Saber really bad, and Tangaloa is helping Tam, and then finally Saber kind of comes back from the, the the doctor's room and makes a big save to help Tai Chi. Who knows? So then the rest of the card, there's a, just a bunch of uh, undercard preview tag matches. Um, and then for Wrestling Dantaku Night 2, the next day, Tuesday, May 4th, we'll be main eventing with the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Will Ospreay, defending against Shingo Takagi. There was news that broke today that the, this card sold out in under 24 hours. Yeah, I mean, take that with a grain of salt, because, I mean, we're still in a COVID era. We're still in a time period where the limited capacity, and, I mean, limited I mean. You know, um, that, I'm not ready to sit here and be like, Will Ospreay or Shingo are, are draws or anything. But at the same time, um, I believe they did a better number at Ryogoku recently than, you know, all those other shows where, you know, uh, like Stardom ran it and Noah ran it and New Japan had ran it. And everyone was talking about how those shows, you know, out outdrew New Japan. Right. <laughs> Which was fine, but you know um, that show seemed to do pretty well, and then this this show seems to be doing pretty well. So um, maybe that does start to tell you a little bit about what the fan base in Japan, how they feel about Will Osprey. You know, I and I'm not saying they love him; they might be invested in him losing. They might not like him because he's a heel. I don't know. Right, this could be one of the things where they create a champion that people want to pay to see him lose, and people love Shingo. Or, Oh, go, sorry. No, I was say, and people love Shingo and would love to see Shingo be the one to beat him. Also, the fact of the matter is that they just had one of the best matches of the year, and it's Will Ospreay versus Shingo coming off of, you know, both of them having classic performances in the New Japan Cup, and, you know, pe- people might just be invested in both of them. Right. Uh, Down Point 101 asked thoughts on the upcoming Shingo versus Ospreay match. Is it possible that Shingo could shock the world? Is it too soon for the match to happen? Do you think they may need to protect Shingo from losing clean? So we kind of touched on some of these points earlier when we were talking about the post-match secure Genesis, but any other thoughts? No, he's losing. Uh, The only other um, outcome I could see, realistically, you talked about an hour-long draw. Um, The last time we saw an hour-long draw in New Japan was uh, Omega Okada, which was a classic at Dominion. What was that, 2018? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. 2017, 2018. Um, they could do that. I don't know. Right. And I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm kind of getting some Omega Okada vibes with this Osprey shingle rivalry. Um, after that, the semi main event is the IWGP junior heavyweight title match between El Desperado as he defends the title against Yo. 
Yeah, so we talked about post-match at Yo calling out Desperado, and also we saw on the Road 2 show Desperado won an attack title match first. So kind of similar to the Hiromu setup where they, they had the LIJ tag title match that led to the Hiromu Despi match, and so similar thing here. So we'll have the, the junior tag match on the Road 2, and then Yo getting his uh, single shot here against Despi. Um, we also had a question here from Mitch MM 22. He said, what are your thoughts on the gimmick matches announced for the next run of shows? I haven't been one to complain as much as other fans because I really have been enjoying new Japan as of late, but evil versus Yano for KOPW and a ladder match for a set of iron fingers is not what I'm looking for in new Japan. Um, Viking pain also asked, he said with all the gimmick matches, booking blunders, match interferences, unwanted title unifications, new belts, Domestic abuse angle currently running wild in New Japan. My question to you is, was Harold May the greatest of all time? Was he the GOAT? (laughs) (laughs) Stupid. This is another question. I don't appreciate this tone. People that make the jokes on this show are you and me. I don't like the fans sending in (laughs) fake questions, okay? It's bullshit. Uh, (laughs) So, uh... On Mitch's question, obviously, here, here's the thing: like KOPW, it's a it thing. It's hold not. on. You, do, do you know why I tied them together? Why? Because I, I thought I didn't realize the second one was going to be a joke because I just was reading it and I was like, oh, these these are correlated. They yeah. sound similar. Yeah. And then as I got further and further, I was like, oh, this is a fucking joke. <laughs> <laughs> you got worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do the working around here, brother. Uh, you know, we, we've seen that KOPW is not going away at least for the foreseeable future. So we're going to have KOPW matches. At this point, I don't think there's really any point in complaining. You cannot like KOPW, but you have to know that these matches are going to happen. Uh, I mean, there are things you could do you could not watch. Um, You could also petition your local New Japan uh, president, get get a petition together, you know, get a, a letter writing um, campaign started and start reaching out to, you know, the chairman, Obari, Sugabayashi, let them know, let your voice be heard. You know, <laughs> it's not much we can do. Like we either have to like endure it or we can complain about it or we cannot watch or we could do something. But ultimately like this is the shit we're getting. Yeah. And I think these two matches are not really focus on this upcoming tour there's, there's a lot of great matches that are are, are slated for this tour um and, and these are a part of two rivalries that have been happening over the last several months so. you know here's the thing um with evil yano best case scenario okay best case scenario the match exceeds expectations it's entertaining kind of like the chase owens match yeah they got there they treat it kind of serious and it's actually good but then, but then, guess what's going to happen afterwards? It's not going away. It's just going to keep happening. So, like, even that's your best case scenario. So, yeah, I, I'm right there with you guys. I, I during the review, I'm hand waving this shit. I don't care about Yano and the KOPW title or Evil. The one saving grace is that I don't have to watch Evil in the main event. I guess so. There's that. <laughs> right. So we can like chalk that up as a. You know, another one for the good guys, but uh, <laughs> I, I I don't know. I like ladder matches, man. Like, like I'm fine with it, especially since like there's an object. They've been fighting over it. They're gonna suspend it. This guy's gotta climb a ladder. Makes sense to me. I'm fine with it. Like, 
if you're not, I get it. Whatever, you know. Yeah, but um, I mean, I, I like Glad Ranchers too. The only thing is, I'm just kind of curious to see how a guy like Tai Chi and Tam Tonga are gonna do. Because normally you kind of get the, the flippy do guys, or at least one flippy do guy, in these ladder matches for cool spots. So I'm kind of curious to see how that's gonna play out. Like if you if you just want pure sport, like I don't know, the UFC exists. Watch that. There's Gleet. I've heard some good stuff about Gleet. You can watch uh, Futen. There's Hard Hit. You can watch some blood sport this week. I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I feel like Ring of Honor has been uh, kind of sticking to more in-ring stuff with the foundation. And, nah, fuck and, them. And the they, did, rules. they did a they did a they did a fucking cinematic match. I heard it wasn't cinematic. I heard it was kind of just like an on-location kind of fight. Did they shoot it? Yes. Cinematic. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so, uh, also, yeah, I mean, Viking Pain does have a good point. A lot of this shit was not happening when Harold May was there. Right. <laughs> Everyone's worried about the westernization of New Japan Pro Wrestling if they work with AEW. Fuck that. I'm worried about the westernization of New Japan if now that they got Dick Togo in the booking room, you know? <laughs> Oh, Shit's man. gone downhill. Obari, yeah. Obari don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> God. Um, all New Japan has announced. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go, go for it. New Japan has announced that Okada will challenge for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship at Wrestle Grand Slam in Tokyo Dome on Saturday, May 29th. We got some questions here about this, but let me ask you something, Jeremy. Dantaku Night 2. We've got a title match. Then the next title match is May 29th. But May 15th, my birthday is Wrestle Grand Slam in Yokohama. They have not left us room for another title match. Um, what What's going on? I don't understand this. Well, the thing is, I think there is going to be another title match at Yokohama Stadium. Uh, oh, so you think it's going to be... Oh, I get. I know what you think is happening. You think him and Shingo are going to wrestle to a draw, and then they're going to have the rematch at, at Yokohama? No, not necessarily. I think there's two people that could challenge. So I think either Osprey's winning or there'll be a draw, and then there's two people that make sense to come out. You could A, you could have Abushi come out, and you could run back Abushi and Osprey at the stadium, and Osprey and Abushi trying to get the title back. Or you could have Naito come out. Empire and LIJ have been feuding. If Naito can beat Okan, you could have Naito come out. Naito's still a top star. You do Naito Osprey, super protected match. I'm sure that could draw in the stadium. And then you get the potential of a Naito Okada dome match or the Osprey Okada dome match. Those are all plausible. Um, yeah, those make sense. I'm not even going to argue against them because I, I can't think of other scenarios that that are better. I mean, those are the ones that make the most sense. I could see a situation where hypothetically him and Shingo have an hour long classic and then they have to settle it at Yokohama. Yeah. Yeah. That could work too. We had a question here from uh, Viking pain. So with all the big matches being announced for Dantaku night two in the Tokyo dome, what do you guys think they have planned on doing for Yokohama? I was thinking since it's open air stadium, they should do something crazy like Suzuki Matsu for the U.S. title in a real exploding barbed wire death match. I would love for them to do that, but you know, keep in mind this company is not really known for 
exploding barbed wire death matches. I mean, all the ones they did were centered around um, Onita and that being his signature match. So, I mean, I they don't really have a guy like that in the company. So, I mean, that would be them just doing an exploding barbed wire match for, you know, exploding barbed wire matches sake. So I don't know. Right. Um, but like I said, yeah, I definitely think we're going to get some kind of big title match for the stadium. And I mean, they got to fill a stadium up with what they have. So I have a feeling based, there's going to be some stuff that happens on this Dontaku tour that it's going to set some stuff up for Yokohama. Yeah. We got to be on the lookout for whatever it ends up being because they, they don't have a lot of time to build to this show off of Dontaku and it has to be something that's going to draw big. So they really got to do something. The other thing too, is like if, if everyone's to be believed and we all expect that Okada is getting this title, this new title from Osprey, um, his reign is going to look worse than, um, Abushi's if he doesn't, you know, turn around and have a couple successful defenses before he, you know, hands it over to Okada for 18 months. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, I mean, I think that kind of makes sense that he would beat um, Shingo and then potentially beat, like, Naito sounds like a big money match. My only question is, like, if they do that, like, with that little of a build, is it going to draw? Maybe it will. If it does, are they blowing their, like, load a little too, or, like, blowing their wad a little too soon, you know? Yeah. Well, there are some LIJ um, United Empire matches Multi-mans, I'll say it's more based on Okada and Naito, but Osprey is going to be in some of those matches, so you could kind of build up some stuff there with Osprey and, Osprey and Naito in those multi-man matches. Yeah, I'm just think, I'm just thinking like it's like 14 days. Yeah, it's two weeks. It's not a lot of time. You 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 got to come hard. You got to come correct if you're going to like draw here. So yeah. Um, next question from Rambo and Slam Pick: Are we going to see another stacked card with multiple title matches and hot singles matches this year? Or is that now just for Wrestle Kingdom? And the type of cards we're seeing are the new normal. Is it a lingering COVID thing or the new baseline for NJPW? Only time will tell us that. Nobody really knows the answer to this. Um, I I do have concerns that down the line, the company might learn, hey, we can draw pretty well, you know, with a skeleton crew, giving people you know, tag team matches and preserving matches and preserving these guys' healths and bodies and making money, and they continue to give us more of that. On the flip side, there's also the case where they're like, hey, we're not doing the business we could be doing. We need our full roster. We need more people. We need to, you know, give do better shows and get better cards, and maybe things return to normal once, uh, once you know, COVID's kind of over. So it's hard to tell at this point. Yeah, there's just so many question marks there. Um, yeah, but it's definitely something to kind of keep our eyes on what happens. Like you, like you said, easily we could see them. Maybe they're like, oh well, we can pull off these multiple shows. I mean, once we get a bigger roster back, we could do continue to do these multiple shows. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, last question from Dom Homie One Hundred One: Is it possible that New Japan could pull a swerve and give us an IWGP World Title match at Yokohama Stadium? Yeah, I I didn't think they were doing that, but I mean. They have to. I mean, it's it's a giant stadium show. I mean, you have to have your top title on. And I think the scenarios that you and I laid out make the most sense. Yeah. 
So then also uh, social media this week, we had a very unexpected video drop. The deaf writer, John Moxley, calling out Blue Justice, Yuji Nagata. Um, to me, this has to be the match that he was talking about on Observer on, on when he was like, he had a cool match plan that nobody would expect. Uh, so this has to be it. So uh, lots of questions here. Uh, my companion said, where do you... You know what's funny, though? I think when he said that, we were like kind of guessing. Like I think in our friend group, we were all like, Nagata, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because we're like, uh, who's the other old tough, you know, old man that would be really cool that he could fight? Like, Nick, it, I felt like Nick, I felt like Nick, I feel like on the air here we might have even said Nagata. I think we might have. Like, like I feel like we did. I don't know. Uh, we have a few questions here about this uh, upcoming uh, match or challenge here. So Viking Pit says, where do you think the Nagata Moxley match will take place? <laughs> Strong dynamite in Japan. Also, I think sending the dads over to Strong to help out with the U.S. talent would be a better use of them than the random tag matches on the undercard thoughts. I mean, I guess it kind of depends. You know, they do help train and run the Nogi Dojo in Japan, so (laughs) there's that. Um, Would it be better for them to help the U.S. talent? I don't know that I think that that's the case personally i mean the the u.s expansion is sort of like a secondary concern and it's not and it's actually going pretty well i think it's okay i think it's fine for them to send nagata over if if they do i'd you know be excited for it but uh i don't know that that's more important than what they already do and add and offer to new japan and to the roster and the cards as is you know yeah. Um, as far as uh, when the match will take, where the match will take place, um, Nagata did post a tweet today saying, you know, he didn't see himself on the upcoming Dontaku tour, which makes me think that they're doing this match on strong. Yeah, that seems pretty likely. Yeah. Um, similar question from Dom Homie 101 asking thoughts on the challenge, Moxley challenging Nagata, and when it will happen and where will it take place? Um, Sir Sam also asked a similar question. He said with Moxley, he's saying, uh, you know, that he's hunting big game and he called out Nagata, uh, beyond the obvious Okada Tanahashi dream matches. Who do you think he might face? So I guess what I wanted to touch on there is like, when we talk about our thoughts with Nagata and him, and then, you know, kind of, um, contrasting that to Moxley having this gimmick where he's out big game hunting. I don't want to be disparaging to Nagata in any way, but like, I don't consider him big game at this point in his career. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, I, I think obviously it'll work because it's Moxley and you know, he's great on the mic and, and everything like that. And so he can get this over, but I don't know. I, I don't really take it seriously when he's like, I'm out here, big game hunting. So Nagata son, <laughs> <laughs> like, bro, you could have called out Jay White. You could have called out Okada. You could have called out Tanahashi. Like, there's some big, there's some big game out there, and you called out, you know. I mean, if we we're putting this into real world terms, right? Yeah. This would be like a fighter calling out a legend when he's mad old, <laughs> like way past his prime, and it's like, yeah, he's on my resume now. I beat him, but it's like, yeah, but he was in his fifties. It's not the same. <laughs> So, I mean, but overall, the match will probably be pretty good. 
Um, but at the same time, it's like they're bringing in Nagata to get beat by Moxley. So I don't have the same hype and anticipation for it as I did with, like, say, the Kenta match. This match might even end up being better, but at the end of the day, like, it's a foregone conclusion. I mean, Nagata's not beating Moxley, right? Right. Uh, and as far as, like, the dream, other dream matches he could possibly have, um, I'm looking at some of the guys that he didn't face in the A block in um, 2019. So obviously there, there's a Zack Sabre Jr. match that they, they were setting up that didn't, never happened. So obviously right. Sabre match happened. He hasn't faced Osprey yet. That that would be good. Uh, Kota Ibushi. Um, there's and even some of the guys he did fight. Like the wrestling landscape has changed quite a bit. So like Shingo, you know. Yeah. Naito. And another Ishii match. Right. <laughs> Uh, so I don't know. He he lost to he lost to Jay White, right? Um, in G one. I'm pretty sure. I don't really remember. Yeah, so probably. Yeah, there's, there's some guys that he lost to that he can get his win back. Uh, Yano. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. Um. Last question here, King Darkwing five ten. He said, "What do you guys make of this Moxley big game hunting storyline? It seems like he's using the U.S. title to target legendary Japanese wrestlers." After he beats Nagata, if he does, does he challenge Kojima and so on until he gets back to Suzuki or Tanahashi? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think for right now, Moxley's probably not going to go to Japan for a while. And so I think they, they they want to, now that both companies are talking, they want to keep the U.S. title active in some way. And so I feel like they're pulling over guys that are not going to be integral to the tours in Japan. So obviously... The, it was easy to kind of pull Nagata out and do this match. So it could be easy to kind of pluck Kojima out too. So uh, I don't know if we're going to get the bigger Suzuki Tanahashi matches until Mox can get back to Japan. I think the deal is Mox goes through all the olds until he gets to Suzuki. And after he beats Suzuki, he fights the ultimate challenge in Liger. Liger comes out of retirement. (laughs) You're talking about a WWE Hall of Famer, Chushin Thunder Liger. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, so who knows, man? I don't know. I, I I don't think he's going through all the olds. I think like like you said, I think this is this is a keep busy title defense. And then they're they, they, they're still trying to figure out what the fuck to do with this title, which is something we gotta talk about here as we talk about strong. Yeah, so we have the Road to New Japan Cup twenty twenty one was the the first road to show this past Friday, and they introduced the NJPW Strong Open Weight Championship. Uh, Viking Paint asks, what do you guys think about the new NJPW Strong Open Weight Championship? Do you like its design? Do you think a title like this is even necessary? And who do you think will be crowned the first champion? Um, hmm. I got to tell you, I'm not really that big a fan of the title. It, it looks fine. I saw a lot of people like praising it. I think the title is pretty... I think it's traditional looking but i've never been a big fan of titles where it's just a word plastered on the front of it and then there's not a lot of intricate design uh the never titles already like that and i didn't really like the. i've never really liked the design of the never belt and so the strong title just kind of looks like it's american cousin (laughs) um it's a little more like glitzy a little more gold but I think people are more comfortable with it because they're comfortable with the shape. You know, yeah. I saw people like being like, this is way better than the IWGP title. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> um, the other thing is um, 
I'm I'm just not a big fan of this because my whole thinking was with the U.S. expansion that we were going to get the U.S. title involved back into the strong product, and that was kind of the deal when they had the Kenta Mox match. I didn't expect Kent or Mox to be there every week or anything, but obviously I expected him to face the winner of this tournament. I expected him maybe once every three months, once a quarter, until he drops the belt, which I thought was inevitable. But at the rate it's going, it feels like he can't drop the belt. Like, <laughs> they don't have anything big enough. Like At this point, it feels like the only way he's dropping the belt is if he fights like a big name in the Tokyo Dome. Right. And other than that, they're not going to have him drop the belt. So that that necessity, it feels like because of politics, it's necessitating them having to create a strong title, which is like regard like that's stupid because it's redundant. They already have a U.S. title, and it's in the United States as we speak. That is fucking stupid. Um, so no, I'm not a big fan of it. Also, I do not like that it's called the New Japan Pro Wrestling strong title there has never been a new japan title in the history of new japan ever ever going back to 1972 every single governing body has either been an iwgp or a never division title i would i'd rather them just call this the strong title and not have njpw in front of it um or just not do it but yeah, we for the first time in history have a new Japan title, which like I don't know who fucking like in marketing <laughs> overlooked this shit. <laughs> yeah, um it, here's what I think about the US title. I know that we we kind of assumed that the US title would be part of like the US expansion, maybe part more part of strong, but I feel like well, even, even pre not- hmm? oh, Go ahead, I'm sorry. I, was say, I think even pre-COVID, I feel like the US title was going to be more of a main roster New Japan title than it would be for the US, U.S. expansion. I mean, we saw several U.S. shows happen that did not feature um, the U.S. champion or U.S. title defenses. Uh, right. And so, obviously, I do think, obviously, with the politics and with Mox being the champion, they wanted something. Because we, we, one thing was strong, like, it, it's really good when there's tournaments and there's something that people are fighting for. But in between the tournaments, it's kind of like a lag because people are just random matches happening. There's nothing that people are really fighting for um so if the u.s title is not going to be involved i'm kind of fine with this strong open weight title being introduced i i kind of see it almost as a, as a tv title um kind of role um and, and something for these u.s guys to kind of fight for and the thing is like, a lot of these u.s guys might not ever end up like fighting for new japan proper um and so let's just, they might just be a part of the u.s brand it's kind of something they can fight for um so I'm kind of fine with that. And I think it could be a, a great thing for maybe guys on excursion, um, like guys like Narita, um, who are going to be in this tournament that could they, they could kind of win and get some experience being a champion that way. Well, here's the thing, Jeremy. Um, you make some great points there, and I agree with most of it, but two points. It's not an assumption on our part that it was going to be part of the U.S. expansion. This was a promise from New Japan when they created the title and they revealed it at Ring of Honor, they said this is going to be the IWGP US title and it's going to be the prize here in the States and it's going to be shared between Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling. They told us that. And then they had a 
tournament here in the States for the fucking shit. So it's yeah. like – and then here's the other thing. You mentioned, you said, if it's not going to be the, the, the brand's title, then you're fine with them having this belt. And I get that and that, that makes sense. But there's no reason realistically that it shouldn't actually be used for the expansion. Just because they didn't do it doesn't mean that it's right. You know what I mean? Right, right, yeah. What, what, what is the point of having a U.S. title if you're not going to defend it in the U.S.? It's superfluous at that point. Like, they don't need it in Japan very clearly. They've shown that by not having it for over a year. And we just got rid of the icy belt. So why are you going to bring the red belt back if you just got rid of the white belt, you know? Yeah. They're, they're eventually going to get this back. And when they get it back, it will either just become – a third tier belt in Japan or it'll come back to the States and then you'll have two titles simultaneously. And it'll be like, why do we have two, two U S based belts on this brand? Right. I think in that case, the the U S title will kind of become the quote unquote, like world title of strong. And then the open weights, your secondary, your TV or your kind of IC title. Well, well, here's your only problem with that, that I, I could see that happening, but then, if you've been treating the strong title like the world title for like let's let's just imagine let's do a long timetable let's say a year and a half it's been the world title and then you bring the US title back and now you've got two at that point you basically got two equal footed belts are you just going to de- demote the strong title and then all those champions that were kind of treated as the guy in the company all their reigns kind of get like deelevated a little bit like this is stupid do you see what i'm saying yeah like, yeah at this point, like, I felt like we'd turned a corner with Mox where it was like, okay, it made sense why they didn't strip him. It made sense why they continued to do business. This is giving them exposure with Dynamite. This is opening the forbidden door. But now at this point, it's like, bro, they should have just fucking stripped him like six months ago or like a year ago and just been done with it because this is stupid now. Yeah. I mean, and the problem is, I mean, they, they put the U.S. title on a guy that, Let's say COVID never can't happened. lose it, right? Or just a guy who can't normally, on normal conditions, compete in the U.S. for them. I mean, pre-COVID, these companies weren't talking, and, and Moxley could never compete in the U.S. for New Japan. So you had right. your U.S. title on somebody who could never compete in the U.S., which was probably a, a mistake in the first part. Yeah, I mean, we didn't see this uh, <laughs> worldwide shutdown coming, but that. You know, I that's why I was like they should just put. I thought they were gonna put it on Suzuki because I was like Suzuki goes to the states. He likes to travel. You know that made more sense to me. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not a fan of this strong open weight title because I just think it's creating another title just to create another title. And um, like it's fine for for the purposes you mentioned, but I also could see. I just I'm looking at the big picture here, and I just see like. You already got a U.S. title. Just take it back. Right. You know, because essentially we're having two U.S. titles now. Right. And one and, you know, just like Highlander, there can only be one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it just seems like I know it's not right, but it just seems like we're the U.S. House is not going to be a focus on the show for a while. So these guys, they need something to fight for on that show because we see it's. Yeah, it's, I'm not I'm not like super. I don't want to bury the company. I get that they're probably doing the best they could do in the situation, but it's also their fault that they got themselves into this situation to begin with. Yeah. 
Uh, at least there'll be a, a little bit of more meaning now between like random Mysterioso versus like Rocky Romero. Like, all right, these guys are fighting for slotting for a strong open weight title match. I guess. I don't know. I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> uh, As a question here from Kyle Martin. He says, is a strong open weight championship the first belt in New Japan's history named after the company? And yes. Yeah. Um, he says, if it is, my second question is, why do you think now's the time? I, I don't think they were thinking to be honest. I, I just don't think anyone cares about this shit like like diehards do, you know? Right. I don't know. I would have rather them just call it the IWGP strong open weight title. Or they could have even just called it the US strong open weight title. I don't know. Right. I mean I think for consistency they should have just stuck with, with the IWGP branding. Or they could have just said it's just the strong open weight title. Yeah. You know? Like, I don't like having the New Japan branding on it. That's fuck, Bro, what are they going to do next? Start rebranding everything New Japan? Oh, boy. <laughs> they going to rebrand the, the New Japan Pro Wrestling World Heavyweight title? I mean, dude, who knows? I mean, it could happen. Mm. Uh, he also asked, with it, with it not being an IWGB title, would, uh, would that make this belt more significant or less significant than the KOPW? Well, they're both New Japan Pro Wrestling branded. KOPW is the one other thing in the history of the company that's branded New Japan Pro Wrestling. And uh, this is already, I don't know. Well, I, I guess this would be more important in my opinion, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I mean, we're actually going to get probably get some pretty good matches for the strong title. It's not going to be a bunch of gimmicks that are, you know, voted on or not voted on or whatever. Um, and he said, finally, for a lack of a better term, will this shift translate over to New Japan proper in the future? I mean, like how the Cruiserweight title and the UK title got rebranded from WWE to NXT. I, I really don't know. Uh, I mean, who really knows, you know? Right. I mean, they, I, they just spent a ton of money on that, that new world title. So I, I feel like if they were going to make the, the call then, they probably would have just done it then. So I, I think they're going to continue with the IWGP branding for now. But as, as things, you know, evolve in the company, we, we might see more company branding. Yeah, I hope. Oh, I see what he's saying. Yeah, I hope they don't do that. I, that would be terrible. Yeah. It's the IWGP. Right, can't can't get. I know the IWGB committee has made some questionable decisions the last couple of years, but we, we can't get rid of them yet. We can't get rid of them. Right. So this week, Rocky Romero defeated Kevin Knight. Good, hard hitting match. Eight minutes and thirty nine seconds. Uh, second match of the night, Alex Coughlin and TJP defeated Jordan Clearwater and Mysterioso. And then the main event, Chris Dickinson, Jared Kratos, and Tom Lawler defeated Brody King and the Regal Twins. Uh, this was. Uh, sort of a preview match of the upcoming New Japan Cup USA. This was the road to New Japan Cup USA. And um, the finish of this main event was interesting because they'd been teasing uh, conflict again between uh, Team Filthy members Chris Dickinson and Tom Lawler. The match ended when um, Chris Dickinson was having a strike exchange with one of the Regal twins. And he hit him with like a double – like Chris Dickinson hit him with like a double like left – Double elbow or, or forearms. Right, yeah. left forearms. And um, I could be wrong, but it looks like he fucking like not that man out <laughs> for real. For real. <laughs> yeah, because like the way that it looked, he hit him square in the face, like right in the mouth, right on the nose. And he like he went glassy eyed. 
And then the camera, and keep in mind, it's a tape show. The camera shifts away to outside action. And then when it shifts back, the, 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 the referee's just calling for the bell. We never actually saw him, like, check on the competitor. We never saw a pinfall attempt or anything. Like, it just seemed really weird the way they did it. Um, I think he, he might have knocked him out. The only thing is, also, a few seconds later, they seemed to be fine. But, you know, they could have actually, like, halted production, got everything back together, and then, you know, based on... Picked up again later, like, because it looked like he fucking knocked him out, bro. Like, bad. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, (laughs) wow. Yeah, that was, like, a pretty stiff shot. Yeah, but it's pretty clear that they're really teaming discord between Dickinson and uh, Filthy going forward. So Dirty Dad and and Filthy. Yeah, there was a segment before the main event where Kevin Kelly was interviewing Team Filthy, and he kept bringing up, you know, asking about Dickinson teaming with Brody King and Ring of Honor, and if Lawler approved that and kind of how that happened. And so they're definitely kind of teasing this dissension between Dickinson and Lawler. Yeah, which is uh, interesting to say the least. Uh, next week, um, we have the first week of New Japan Cup USA, first round action. Um, we have all four... Uh, matches to start off. We've got Leo Rush against Clark Connors, <clears throat> Tom Lawler against Ren Narita, Fred Rosser against Hick Leo, and then Chris Dickinson against Brody King. Yeah, and I am scrapping my predictions from last week with, with the strong openweight title uh, being the prize now for this tournament. Uh, I don't think Brody King is going to win like I originally predicted. Um, I- I'm starting to feel like Narita could win this thing now. Well, remember, I had been kind of um, positing it that way last week, and now that um, now that it's for the title, and they don't have to go through mocks to win. I mean, that makes it a much more you know manageable for most of the uh, competitors here. Yeah, so I think we get like you were saying last week, potential Narita Dickinson rematch. But I mean, they're they're also really building this Dickinson Lawler stuff too, so. Yeah, I mean, there is there is that aspect of it. Like, you know, maybe they should if they're teasing it and it's the story and that's the narrative. Maybe they should just stick to it. But I feel like there's an underlying story where Narita is kind of like the guy, and he's go and he's chopping through people. And I feel like I don't know. I feel like I mean, maybe it's the. I would say it was just the fanboy in me liking Narita, advocating for this. But then there's the other there's the evidence where like he already went through Dickinson and he already went through uh Mysterioso. Uh, Mysterioso and Bateman. And I feel like there's a path for him in this as well. So, I mean, I'm still sticking with Narita and Dickinson as my finals. And I feel like the, um, the filthy Dickinson feud that's going to culminate from this will, will be a non-title issue. Yeah. I think it could also be very interesting now with this, strong tile to do a, a Connors Narita final because Connors has, start, has been starting to pick up some wins now. Uh, he beat uh, TJP to get in this tournament. So it could be really interesting to have the, the two, you know, graduated young lions facing off in the finals for this strong title. Yeah. And we had talked about that um, last week as also being a, a possibility. Yeah. Um, so just a few uh, news notes here. Um, so there was an update from Bushi Road's quarterly report, and these come from uh, this past week's Wrestling Observer. 
Um, so in the second quarter, uh, which was November through January for them, the total revenue from New Japan and Stardom was $13.3 million, which is down 19.5% from last year for obvious reasons. The decline over the six months was period was 17.4%. Uh, New Japan ended the period at 116,000 paid subscribers. Um, Dave, I know here, keep in mind the startup business grew tremendously, so the New Japan decline is greater than the numbers would indicate. Uh, but you're also comparing two Tokyo Domes in 2020 that drew more than 70,000 paid with two shows that probably did around 22,000 paid. And that makes up for a lot of the difference. Plus, there was a lot more merchandise purchased because of less restrictions in 2020. Um, so, obviously, business a little bit down, also due to, due to the COVID um, and the pandemic. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, not so not completely bad compared to what other companies have dealt with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also had the uh, the free match of the week this week is Tomohiro Ishii versus Evil from Wrestling Dantaku 2019. Um, and then just a note here from Antonio Gonoki, currently 78. He's been having some major health issues as of late. Did a YouTube video on March 29th where he said, there's a part of me that feels like giving up. It's not enough. Please let me rest. And there's other parts of the video where he came across more optimistic, uh, but those in Japan are very worried about him. Um, so thoughts and prayers to uh, Antonio Noki, and it'll be interesting to see if we get any kind of tributes or seeing him kind of brought into New Japan because of, uh, of his current health issues. Yeah, I've been following that. We'll, we'll have to see. I mean, you know, father time. I mean, uh, I hope the best for him and his family, and I you know, hope that his health improves. Yeah. We are at three hours. We got some questions here. I think most of this question, most of these questions could be kicked to next week, right? Uh, yeah, pretty much all of these are, I mean, there's one WrestleMania related question, uh, but everything else I feel like can be put in next week. Yeah, let's punt it to next week. And then um, also, oops, guys, I didn't watch Nakamura versus Dave, Dave Boy Smith Jr. Um, I've seen it in the past, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that'd be me going off of, uh, what is that, like eight years? Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm going to need to watch that for next week and then come back with my recommendation. All right. So, yeah, so we'll get a new recommendation for next week. I mean, this week, there is plenty of wrestling to watch. So I don't think you need an additional recommended. There are, uh, we got two big takeover shows Wednesday and Thursday. There's there's Dynamite. There's all the independent stuff that's happening on Fight TV, Title Match TV, and all these random uh, streaming services. So plenty of uh, action to catch up on this week. And I think that's going to wrap it up for the show. So next week, we'll be back to review the beginning of the road to wrestling don taku tour so if you enjoyed today's show please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate click on the donate button under the keeping it strong style logo make sure you connect with us on social media the show is at ki strong style the network is at social suplex i'm at jeremy l donovan on facebook we are facebook.com slash social suplex in the wrestling squared circle facebook group we are facebook.com slash group slash wrestling squared circle uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at Social Suplex on Reddit on the Pro Black Guy. Just keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy at socialsuplex.com. You can check out all the other shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. 
uh, One Nation Radio is back with Freddie Slater and James Boyd. You can check them out. I believe they are going to be doing a WrestleMania preview episode that should be probably dropping uh, same day as us um, later today. And then also you can check out the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show from Scotland. Grave Consequences with Caleb and Maserati, the 8-Bit Suplex with Josh number 2 and Sandy, All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin, and the Great Match Generator with Danny. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review, and we will catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Ichiban. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.